Yeah, it's Mr. Christopher with the Funkatopia Radio Show. And on this particular broadcast, we actually got to meet with a good portion of New Power Generation. First, we met with Mackenzie and then joined in Mr. Morris Hayes and then Damon D and then Tony M. So we had quite a bit of fun and we start off this podcast speaking with Mr. Mackenzie, who took up the microphone duties of Prince, of all people. So just a little bit of pressure there. So we go into the broadcast with Mackenzie right here on Fucked Up. I know a lot of people want to hear your story and exactly how you came about getting involved in in the whole NPG family. And uh, a lot of people don't know your story. So why don't you share that story? Okay, cool. Um, I'm basically um, the latter part of last year. I was involved with a tribute to the man himself, a tribute to Prince. Um, It was a symphonic tribute. So it it was really cool. Um, and it was with a former MPG member, Andrew Boucher. So I think um, through folks getting wind of him doing it, I must have come across the desk of Jill Willis, who is our manager right now, and she formerly managed Prince back in the day. And uh, she saw some clips of me. I guess she saw something that she liked. She sent it over to the guys. Then I got a message that I ignored originally um, because nobody calls you for things like that in this business. When you see stuff like that, especially living in Los Angeles, you know, you got to kind of weed things out and make sure, you know, it's just real and, you know, getting called to, you know, come out and do some shows with the new power generation is like, what do you mean? That can't be real. That doesn't even sound like, that sounds like more than a fan. You know what I mean? Like, this this sounds like... Are you serious? Are you sure? You got the right guy. Like yeah. We're talking about Prince, right? <laughs> so, yeah, you know, she called me, and I, I came out in um, February of this year. We did some shows with them, um, Super Bowl Live, and then some shows at the Dakota. And, you know, I, I guess they liked it, you know. <laughs> and uh, I, shortly after that, they asked me to become a member of the band. So, I mean, short, shortly, that's the short version of how it all happened. But, I mean, it's, it's honestly just been a real honor to uh number one be involved with musicians of this caliber great men of this caliber and then to be able to pay homage to one of the greatest to ever do it um in this way like this is i, I don't know how else i could you know from musician to musician other than trying to carefully pay homage to his his legacy every time we hit that stage like it, it's it's the greatest thank you i could give him yeah, I noticed you used the word carefully. And how do you, I mean, how, what is the pressure like when you're in a situation like that, when you're, you know, you're standing up there and you're having to represent? I mean, what, I mean, that's got to be, I mean, obviously um, you're, you're, you're working with, you're working with some of the best in the business, right? So, you know, right, it's, right. You know, so, so that kind of tension of it is, you know, a little bit, it kind of helps a little bit, but you got to explain right. what what your feelings and your emotions were during those first, gosh, during those first probably half dozen shows where you're like, your, your brain is still processing. Is this really happening? So right. what? So what? What is your emotion I mean, I, and your and your whole? Yeah, go ahead. Right. No. 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 That's that's a great question. I think I'm still there. Um, and I think I will be there for a while. I don't, I don't know if I ever want to really wake up from that. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's a certain um, reverence, you know, when it involves Prince's music. Um, just because he approached it with such mastery, 
you know, as a listener, you have to kind of come at that. And then as far as someone that's attempting to perform the songs, you know, I, I was very um, adamant about not wanting to imitate him, um, not wanting to do any type of impersonation. Um, and I was very pleased, you know, in hearing that that's not what they were looking for and that's not what they asked me to do. They just, you know, they wanted me to sing the songs. So, you know, so I have, um, with staying true to, you know, his music, I, I have, a, a, you know, as much leeway as I can to, to be myself. But as much as I'm still there in my head, you know, I still have moments when I look around on stage and, you know, it's nice to see Sonny T smiling, but it also freaks you out because it's like, that's Sonny T. <laughs> and he's smiling. And, you know, so it's like, okay, what did I do? Do I keep that up? You know, it's, there's a lot of things flying through your brain. But I, I honestly just try to compartmentalize that pressure because I, would, I wouldn't be able to get through the show. But, you know, if, if I really sat and thought about the magnitude of, you know, what's taking place in this opportunity, you know, and just being on stage with those musicians and being able to play the music with the guys that played the music, like that's, it, it, it's all a lot. So I, I try to just focus on the craft and um, be my best and, 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 and stay at the top of my game because that's, that's the only way that this happens. That's the only way that you can hang with cats like that on stage. And that's the only way that you can not embarrass yourself um, trying to do what we're doing, which is just to pay homage to the greatest to ever do it. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I, and I don't, I wouldn't envy you whatsoever. I mean, I'm a professional vocalist myself, and I can't, you know, to be put into that, to be put into that scenario where, you know, people have a certain, because, you know, just like you said, you're able to do your own thing, but people still want to hear some semblance of Prince in right. what you're doing, because that's what they're there to right. see. And you know, so right. the, so you got half of the half of the audience that is probably oh yeah yeah we're we're, we're cool, uh, you know the, the, he's not trying to be Prince I'm I'm good with that but then you have the other half of the crowd that's like man he doesn't sound anything like Prince, <laughs> you know so right. so right. it's it, there there has to be I'm sure there's got to be some type of balance there that you feel like you know, there's got to be some type of tightrope that you have to walk every single right. night. I think that's the perfect word tightrope. And, you know, I, I just remind myself that you can't please everyone. And, I mean, but, you know, ultimately I do want to see everyone leaving with smiles on their faces. But I know that, you know, some people aren't going to be happy just for the mere fact that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not him. And there will only be one. You know, we were, we were blessed and fortunate to have him as long as we did and to get all the music from him that we did. But um, there will never be another print. No. End of story. No, um, so that type of is definitely something that I, you know, I, I try to – it till across every time we play and because there are certain things that people look for just like you said just as much as they're looking for the lyrics to be correct there's certain things certain notes that he hit and just you know certain nuances in his performances that you know help to bring the music alive even today so yeah i, I like that word it's, it's definitely a tightrope but I, I will say that you know the guys have been incredible in and in just taking me under their wing and you know giving me advice and telling me where I can, you know, maybe add this or that there. And that, 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 that's been great. And, you know, all the knowledge and wisdom that they soaked up from him over the years, they're definitely passing that down on me. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah, uh, well, and, and I know that a lot of people appreciate it because there's not a lot of people out there that can do it real, real well. And I, I know there's got to be – is there any song that you saw they said, okay, here, here's a list of the songs that, that we're going to be doing, and you look at the list and you go, oh, whoa, not that song. Do we have to do that song? <laughs> um, 
you know, I'd be lying if I if I said that none of his like all uh, you can argue that every song of his is difficult. In just the fact that he was so unique musically and the way he, you can appreciate this as a vocalist, the colors that he painted with texturally, like there, nobody really paints with those textures, period, to this day. So every song of his has kind of got, you know, some degree of difficulty to it. With that being said, I've always wanted to be uh, the greatest at everything that I do. And that comes from, you know, being a kid and, having idols like him, you know, different sports icons that were the greatest. Like you always, I always strive to be the greatest. So I always look at it like, I always look at challenges as uh, blessed opportunities. So when I look at a song and I think, well, I've never sung that before. Perfect example, uh, when we were, do- when I was doing the, the tribute with the symphony, I had never attempted to sing any song like a door. Um, and I, I was excited. I was excited for that challenge. Um, I'm, I'm somebody that likes to be, you know, critique, you know, because I feel like that helps you build up and helps you get better, especially when it comes from someone with knowledge that you don't have. So I just looked at it as, okay, this song is either going to kick my butt or I'm going to make it through. And, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the most that you can hope to do with a song like that. And, you know, I, I came out of the other side with a smile on my face and I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't fall flat. I didn't uh, completely embarrass myself. And I think that, you know, this whole opportunity was encompassed in that moment because this is requiring me to be uh, at a level that I've never had to be at, you know, um, to be able to uh, do the songs justice. I've got to be at the top of my game every night. And that that's stretching me in a way that I'm excited about, for sure. Now, you said, but when you, when you first were discovered that you were discovered uh, as part of a tribute band, were, were you in a tribute band before his passing or did that tribute band happen after he passed that tribute band happened after he passed after he passed um his music whenever i sang it it was just that uh when i was doing local club hits and i was a song that we would hit but i was never a part of a formal tribute and that uh short stint with that tribute band was the only tribute band that i was ever a part of now being part of the new power generation who for the record, we are paying tribute and paying homage, but these guys are not a tribute band. This was his band. So that's a whole different transition. Yeah, there's certain bands that are out there. I mean, NPG, not a tribute band. Revolution, not a tribute band. I mean, they're obviously out there. Right. They're obviously out there paying tribute and, and maintaining his musical legacy. But uh, yeah, that's if it's his band, it's not a tribute anything. So, but yeah, you see that a lot because, I mean, like, for instance, the, uh, the, the, kid who's singing for journey now he is he was found as a result of a tribute band so i think that a lot you know you see all these tribute bands that are popping up all over the place you know there's tribute bands for guns and roses and there are tribute bands for van halen and tribute bands for all of these right. these uh these artists and i think that's their ultimate vision is that they'll actually be discovered just like you were discovered and uh so i i, <laughs> I have to hear your story about how the that how exactly that happened the phone call that happened and, and you were like yeah just there's so, there, there just can be no way <laughs> right right so so originally there was an email um from jill willis i ignored for a few days and i finally responded because again i'm just like you you, you know you live out in la and you, you get a lot of 
Nothing like that, but you get a lot of uh, pie-in-the-sky type promises. Like, hey, you know, I'm going to bring you here and we'll do this. So when I hear, you know, new power generation, I'm like, come on. What do you what do you mean? So a few days later, we actually get on the phone. I'm walking my dog. Like, I actually, I've apologized to Jill for this a few times because not that I was necessarily rude on the phone, but I wasn't the most attentive, and I definitely wasn't showing the proper excitement. Because, you know, like I said, I I did not believe it until I saw it. I didn't believe it until I walked into the old Flight Time Studios and everybody was in rehearsal. And Morris Hayes was on keys and Tommy Barbarella was on keys. And I'm like, okay, this is uh, this is the real deal here. But, yeah, that that was that was basically it. Jill was on the phone and explained to me, you know, that the guys would like me to come out and, you know, basically meet them and, see how a few shows would go. And even then, I didn't know that this would lead to me actually becoming a member of the group. Uh, I just thought they were looking for, you know, a singer for, you know, from time to time. So I definitely was on the phone walking the dog like, you know, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'd, 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 love to, I'd love to come out whenever you send a ticket. Like, I, absolutely, sure. But, yeah, needless to say, I've apologized for that. <laughs> and uh, here, here we are. Here we are. Well, I, I got I got to tell you that's you know, it's it's definitely a dream come true for sure. I mean, I can't you know, yeah. you can't yet. Yeah. I mean, that's so when you showed up when you show up at this at the rehearsal place and you see Tommy there and you see Morris there and you're like, okay, this this is really happening. Is at that point, is it just a jam session or are they handing you music where you know they're handing you music or lyrics and um, saying, I'll try this or how's that work? definitely wasn't a jam session um they had a show planned and they were running the show and there was a few songs that you know i was given the opportunity to sing on and it was like okay now we're going shortly after i got into rehearsal it's okay let's let's work on your song wasn't really too much of uh you know, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. You know, everybody was respectful, but everybody was also, they were also already rehearsing when I showed up to rehearsal. I flew in the day of uh, the rehearsal. And, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, let's see what this guy's going to do, you know, obviously. And uh, I believe the first song was Nothing Compared that I sang with them. And, you know, I've been singing since I was two years old. Um, I've been doing it professionally since I was 18. And I'm very serious about my craft. I'm very serious about music. It is my best friend. And, you know, whenever I get the opportunity to share in sound, I don't take that lightly. So, you know, whatever nerves I had, whatever jitters I had, when I when I get on the mic, they disappear. And that doesn't matter if I'm in front of one person or a million people. And although, I, you know, I, I grasp the severity of uh, the talent that was around me, and the people that I was about to play that song with, I also had, you know, the highest confidence in myself because I prep, I prepare, you know, I'm very rigorous in my study. So, you know, as soon as he played the song, he told me how I was going to go. He was like, all right, let's, let's go. I see y'all looking at me. You want to see what I can do? Let's, let's go. You'll see what I can do. Yeah, a lot of people don't get that about music when you're in a when you're a scenario and you're you know especially when you're behind the mic as a performer if you really know what you're doing if you're just doing it for karaoke you're worried about everything around you but when you get into a professional mode and you're in a performance mode and you're used to performing and you've you know you're adept at performing the second that you get behind that microphone or behind your instrument it's just everything just disappears 
and that's just you flip that switch, right? Yeah, it's just yeah, it's a it's a yeah, it's definitely a switch that flips, and it's just a fantastic feeling. It's just it's just it's great, right? And uh, man, right. I just yeah, I I definitely envy you. I had. I did have, I, I've told this story before, and I'll share it with you. Did you ever get an opportunity to meet Prince? You know what? Unfortunately, I didn't. I do have a funny story about that, though. He used to play at uh, this local club in L.A. called the Sayers Club. And when I first moved out here, that was like a spot on Thursdays where, you know, they would let you get on the mic and sing songs that you might not necessarily be able to sing other places. Like they, they let me get on the mic and do a lot of, you know, rock classics and stuff like that. Whereas other places, you know, I'll be relegated to sing R&B. Not that I don't love that too, but sometimes I want to give, you know, a little deal, you know? And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I was leaving out one night and at the time I lived in the Valley. I didn't have a car. So it was like, you know, long bus ride, train ride home. I was just getting to my house, just getting to the house. And they're like, where are you at? Where are you at? Prince is here. Damn it. I have to be at the car wash, which was my job at the time, at 6.30 in the morning. I think it was like 3 <laughs> or something like that. And I had just gotten home. I was like, man. So literally what had happened was I was walking out and he was walking in and I missed him. So to even be in this situation now, um, uh. Beyond it being a dream, it just kind of feels like uh, a nod from the distance. That's kind of the only way I know how to put it. Yeah. You know, I absolutely love, you know, you know, getting the thumbs up from these guys. These were his brothers. You know, it just feels like a nod from the distance. And, you know, I, I just really wish that I could have could have met him, could have listened and sat at his feet and heard some stories, you know, but... I'm just fortunate to be in a situation with his brothers to where I can just literally when when we're at rehearsals, when they start talking, I shut up and I just sit there and just listen to the stories, the countless stories that they have from the times that they have and the lessons that they learned from them that they're still practicing today. It's yeah. uh, it's a real wealth of information. Yeah. I, well, I, I got an opportunity. I was blessed enough to meet him a few times, but not – and never to sit at a table wow. and, and actually have a discussion with him. But the the time that and people have heard me tell this story before, uh, we were at an after party, and I can't. I got to the after party late because everybody that didn't go to the concert went directly to the place where the after party was at. So by the time I got there, it was almost sold out, and I kind of came in and wow. and the and the walkway to the front of the stage was empty because it's a walkway it's not a place where people were standing and it was right on the side of the stage and i just stopped at the side of the stage right next to where the keyboards were and i was just like i'm just going to stand here because renato netto is going to come out and, I, <laughs> and i'm going to get to meet renato netto and he's going to come out right here right. it looks like the show's about to start so i'm going to i'm just going to stand right here until somebody tells me right. to move and everybody's walking behind me and nobody's thinking to stand right here on the side of the stage and it was a low stage it was only up to my, my waist and so I was standing there, and then I hear the crowd go nuts. I couldn't see anything. That out walks Prince and sits right in front of me. He sits at the at the keyboard. Oh yeah, I mean because it wasn't even. I mean it wasn't even a full arm's reach. Like literally, I could have just lightly reached out my hand and touched him right. He was just right there in front of me. 
and they started wow. they started in this jam session and i was you know just like we were talking about i was in this zone i was in this m- mode and i just started getting into the music and i just started singing and then i look up and prince is looking me dead in the eye and bobbing his head while i'm singing and wow. i was like oh my gosh and he started bobbing his head and then he made this little gesture with his shoulders like he was going to go up a chord and so I went up and he smiled and then he slapped me five, put his hand on my shoulder and pushed himself up and then went to the, went to the front of the stage. And from that moment on, wow. <laughs> from that moment on, I never, I mean, it was just like, I couldn't even tell you what happened the remainder of that night from the concert. I couldn't tell you the set. Yeah. I couldn't tell yeah. you the set list. I couldn't tell you anything else. It was like there was a buzzing that was going on in my head for the whole remainder of the evening. It was just, it was just amazing. And um, and the second time I met him, he was coming down the sta- He was coming down the stairs. He didn't perform that night. He was coming down the stairs from uh, an upstairs VIP area, and I had a little disposable camera in my bag, and I pulled it out and I took a picture as he because he like stopped on posed on the stairs and he took a picture. I have no idea what happened to that disposable camera. It's somewhere in my house. But oh I'm man, like, you gotta find it. Yeah, I've got to find it. But see, nobody did. Nobody. Uh, does those cameras anymore so everybody does digital photos now so like literally even even if i find it it's probably going to cost me like 30 which is worth it i mean but i keep i keep finding these random disposable cameras everywhere and i'm like it's on one of these things so oh man (laughs) it's great dude it's great so have did you get an opportunity to tour when you're performing did you get an opportunity to tour like you're about to about to tour here with uh, mpg no, um, this is the, the first time for me really being able to tour like this. Um, I've just been playing uh, local parties, local weddings, and focused on my own solo projects since I've been in L.A. I moved out here in 2012 uh, from the East Coast. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's just been what I've been doing, just playing in local bands, paying bills. Um, you know, I've been very blessed to, you know, have the opportunity to – do some things in TV and uh, some films, nothing major, but uh, just just enough to, um, you know, let people know that you know I am a writer out here. But it's really funny. Um, maybe six months before I got the call, I said to the universe, you know, I, I want to see the world and I, I want to travel the world, you know, for music and you know for for my gift and for what I love. And six months later, I'm in Australia. Went to London for the first time, Moscow for the first time. We're going back to London soon, and, uh, many other places. When we go back for this next European run, and so it's it's just all uh, beyond the fact that I'm already pinching myself because I get to play with these guys and sing these great songs. It's yeah, now I'm I'm you know I'm literally living my dream to get to see the world. It's it's, it's incredible. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I mean. So, because I've been seeing some of these pictures of you guys performing. For those of you just joining us, hello, how are you doing? <laughs> Maybe you probably should make an announcement because we are live here, but we are we're actually recording as well. Uh, we're your Funkatopia live, and we're on the phone with Mackenzie from NPG, who uh, you see behind the mic uh, up there quite a bit. And uh, it looks like we actually have uh, somebody else joining us too. I believe this may be Morris. Let's uh, let's take a look and see. 
Welcome to Funked Up. Who's yeah, on the line? Mr. Hayes. <laughs> How you doing, Mr. Mr. Hayes? Mr. Hayes, what's up, man? What's going on, Mark? <laughs> man, I'm cool, man. I'm good. What's up, Mackenzie? What's up, everybody? <laughs> yeah. So how are you guys doing? You, you, I, I was just about to ask Mackenzie. We were just about to talk about uh, the the tour that's coming up. And uh, but I, I made him stop because I think a lot of people wanted to hear Mackenzie's story because there was so much that people didn't know about Mackenzie, where he came from, and and how how he was discovered and all that. And now Morris, now that you're on the line, not not to stop Mackenzie's uh, showtime here, but but when Morris, when Mackenzie walks into this studio. <laughs> what 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 is your thought? Are you thinking, oh Lord, please don't waste my time? <laughs> what what's going through your head as he's coming as he's coming up on the microphone? Well, I'm thinking that we better get a little can of Afro Sheen so we can get it hit on this Afro. Uh, <laughs> no man, no, I'm, I'm I'm feeling kind of pranksters, but uh, but no man, I mean. <laughs> It was crazy because you know, um, you know when you know you got somebody uh, that's, that's, that's smoking. You know when they come in, and then uh, you, you you know you pick out one of the songs that you know you know I gave him some songs to go over and whatnot, and you know we we broke it out and just put him on there. I think uh, nothing compares to you. I think it was, and then uh, he hits it, and then you know in the first few notes. Everybody looks at each other like me and Tone look at each other. Me and Levi, you know, just like everybody kind of goes like, yeah. I did. I did. <laughs> like it's and everybody get the big hardware Hank wink. You know, like yeah. You know, it was like it was like great when you just know it's like it's it's on point. You know, and it's just like you know working with great singers like that, man. It's like kids. It's like you know some of the folks, Rosie. It's like they, you know, they kill it. You know, and as soon as they come in, you know it's magical. You know, and that's what it was when uh, Mackenzie uh, came on set and hit and started with us, and it's been uh, magical ever since. Yeah, uh, Mackenzie, that's got to make you feel good, doesn't it? <laughs> it makes me feel great. It makes me feel real good. Absolutely. Yeah, because that... Uh, okay, so, Morris, uh, Morris I'm going to give you three words. And, and uh, well, actually not... Well, three words, and then you got to tell the story. <laughs> Dolphin, gunshot, no mistakes. <laughs> You know what story I'm talking about? Oh man, oh yeah, that's that's Dolphin, man. That's that's Dolphin, uh, David Letterman. Uh, yeah, I mean that that's that that was kind of crazy because you know Prince he wasn't really fond of, of David Letterman, man. He, you know, David's kind of got a different kind of sense of humor, and you know Prince was like, you know, wasn't necessarily funny to him a lot of things sometimes. <laughs> and so he comes to me and, and just kind of goes. Um, do you have the gun sample? I'm like, and we're standing by the door, like ready to go in. You know, it's like we've rehearsed it and we're about to go on. They do a commercial break. And so we're about to like go through the door, get on our gear and do the song. And, and he's just standing by the door and he's just thinking it. And he just turns around and says this. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I mean, I can get it. You know, there's a few, there's a couple minutes before we, you know, they roll our stuff out that I can just go pull it up. But he said, yeah, do you got the gun sample? I'm like, yeah. And and then um, he said, "This is what's going to happen. I, I'm going to gesture at the end of the song. I'm going to put my finger up like I'm going to shoot myself in the head. You do pull the, you know, shoot the sample. And we had a big bodyguard named Coco. He said Coco was going to grab me and drag me off. And then 
you know, I don't have to shake hands with David Letterman at the end of the night. <laughs> so I was like, and then he said, and then he said, uh, and we were also we're going to skip the second verse and go straight to the bridge. No mistakes. And I'm just sitting there going like, what just happened, dude? <laughs> like, oh my God, like, dude. So I'm trying to like, uh, like, just, you know, you're trying to compartmentalize it all in your brains. Because you, you go, the first thing you think is, okay, I got to pull up the sample first. I had to find this. There was no gunshot on Dolphin, so I got to get a gunshot sound from some, you know, grab that real quick. And then I got to, and I'm sitting there, because I'm playing all these samples, like on the song, you know, there's Prince background vocals that I used to have to play in, like, real time on my keyboard. And so... Um, I'm sitting there looking at the keyboard thinking, like, I got to cut a big chunk of these out on the second verse and then jump right to the bridge. And then, the, you know, on the bridge it goes, if I'm underwater, you know, like that. And I'm trying to look and see, like, where does that happen at? And I'm playing and looking at this thing going, like, God, where does that happen? And so, because uh, there's a big chunk, I got to skip it. And so I just, you know, I just put my hands down, man, and just like it worked. And then I was like, ah. Oh. Because in, in the back of your mind, you're going, like, no mistake. Stakes too. So I'm thinking I can't mess this up on national TV. It's gonna be like tore up. I'm gonna be like shot in the back of the head. So yeah. it was. Um, it worked out, man. It's just one of those things. That after you see it, you, you think that's the way it was meant to be the whole time, and it was totally some last minute as we were walking on kind of situation. So. Yeah, that's got to be. You know, Prince always did this like the last minute thing. But I saw that story. I said, first, a, I'm trying to figure out why Prince wasn't jiving with, didn't jive with David Letterman. I was just that's kind of weird, because it does seem like they kind of have that same type of pranksterish type of, you know, thing going on. But yeah, you know, it's funny, man, because uh, you know, I, I personally at the time, I mean, I liked David Letterman. I thought he was a funny guy. You know, I, you know, I was always some kind of the comedian. One and David Letterman just kind of had a yeah, had a different type of sense of humor. But unlike Jay Leno, Jay is like like cool, cool. Like Jay Leno is like cool. Like you know, I remember one time we were like uh, backstage, like hanging out by one. You know, he drove a different car to the set every night, and we were hanging out by his car. And, and um, our, one of our singers, Kip Blackshire, was out on his cell phone. We just standing by the car, waiting. You know, we just chilling out before we go on. And Jay walks over and said. Who's on the phone? Give me the phone. And he just grabs the phone out of his hand and Kip's mom's on the phone. He says, hey, how you doing? Uh, and, and he starts talking to him and just says, hey, you know, uh, don't worry. I have your kid in before 7 o'clock tonight. He'll be home. Everything will be fine. You know, it's just like, and he just talks to her. And it's like it was so, she was like, oh, you can hear her through the phone. Like, oh, my God. You know, and it's, it was cool. No, David Letterman was. I, I, I would would hazard to say he would never do that. It's just like when you actually meet him, it's like real different from the cat you see on TV. And I think that's what the thing was. It's like you, you think funny people should never be like crabby and angry. <laughs> and he was like he kind of had that crabby, angry thing on him. And um, but anyway, you know, it was just uh, you know I you know. Prince just wasn't feeling it like that. But uh, just to have him do that at the last minute was kind of like crazy because it was like, man, this dude know how to throw a wrench in the game, man. And you just have to, you know, jump right in and do your thing, you know. Yeah, well, I, I heard well, he did, he did stuff like that quite a bit because I did hear a story about and and I'll I'll have either Damon or Tony tell the story when they come on about the whole the assless pants. <laughs> Because, because there's a story that there's a story that goes with that as well, and uh, you know, <laughs> there's there's quite a story. Matter yes, of fact, there's a story that goes with that. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, matter of fact, 
Matter of fact, Damon D is on the line right now. Hold on a second. Damon, you there? Damon, is that you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, Lord. Damon D is on the phone, too. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Damon, you Damon. Tell, don't tell the story. Tell the truth, Damon. Tell the truth. <laughs> tell the truth about what? I, I was tell just telling Damon, what really happened. Yeah, well, I was telling him a story. For those that didn't get an opportunity to go to the celebration, I did not know this. The story about the assless pants. <laughs> well, not the assless pants. Actually, less shouldn't even be in there. It's just pan- the pantsless <laughs> pants. <laughs> Maybe that's how it we just called. We just called the butt out, the butt out pants. <laughs> I didn't hear the, the story. That, again. Oh, yeah. I didn't hear the story well, that prefaced hey. this. Go ahead. You got to share this one. Well, you know, um, so we, we were at the MTV Awards. So, you know, before the show, we always do these little prayers, right? Uh, so we're doing the little prayer in the room, and, you know, dude's got a trench coat on. So, you know, we ain't really, nobody's really thinking about, you know, whether or not he's going to do that. But, you know, they always screen the shows before they let you on. So, you know, the, you know, Arsenio had already had his people over there to make sure everything was going to go all right and that kind of stuff. So, you know, we do the prayer, and we come out on the stage. The lights are down. He takes off his coat and tosses it over to the side. So when the song kicks in and you hear that scream and the lights came up, yeah, that's when we finally see look down and go, holy shit, this dude ain't got no, wait a minute, is this butt out in them pants? <laughs> What's great about that is that the dance move, when he first comes out, the dance move is that he goes down to the ground and you guys are supposed to go on top of him. <laughs> Well, let, let's get this yeah. straight. I'm the first one to fall on it. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah, get it straight. And you should also go back and review that tape to see Dame face when he had to fall down. And look at his face yeah. when he's like, uh, wait, 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 wait no, let that, me think I'm about this. That backpedal. That backpedal and stop looking at his butt. <laughs> you know, number but yellow ass right in your face. <laughs> <laughs> That's just got to be a shock. That's like having to do like a push-up like over something you don't want to do a push-up over. It's like, oh, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is hilarious. For those of you just joining us, welcome to Funkatopia Live. We have, right so far, we have Mackenzie on the phone, Morris Hayes on the phone, and just joining <laughs> us, Damon D, NPG in the house. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy right there, man. That's you know, that's a whole nother yeah, thing. Definitely one of those things that was unexpected. <laughs> now, Mackenzie, you got to watch out because I hear Morris is quite a prankster. You could, you, you never know, you could end up with stories very, very similar hey, down the road. Well, uh, hey, Mackenzie, right. you never have to worry about some pants with your butt. I never have a story like that. I, yeah, I don't, don't, don't want to do it. Never have to worry about that. <laughs> you may have no, a prank or something, but you ain't got to worry about that one, bro. I'm not sure. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think we want to be. I don't think we want to be recreating no uh, butt out pants things. Nah. Yeah, <laughs> Prince was a vanguard, and we're gonna we're gonna leave him in that, right. in that role. We're gonna leave him. We're gonna leave him. He's the vanguard, and he he can do some things. You know, like he said it, David. I put on something that another won't dare, and he was right about right. that. Morris won't dare. Right. <laughs> 
I'm too long. I'm too long to have some pants with the butt out. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no. For real. <laughs> for real. It, it ain't right. Something just ain't right. For real. It, it couldn't get couldn't get away with that. That what I would do it, it would be a jailable offense. <laughs> for real. Yeah, they expect yeah, it from him. So, <laughs> yeah, so that would that would be what we call a bad deal. <laughs> yep, it would be. So I know Morris. I know you got. I know you got some some great prank stories that that you've you've experienced over the years because you've been. I mean, as far as MPG is concerned, you are you're the you're the eldest member of MPG as far as being in the band the longest out of the the current iteration of MPG. Is that correct? Yeah, that's that's right. So yeah, for on and off of yeah, close to twenty years. Yeah. So how how did how did you how did you end up in Prince's camp in the first place? It, was it a, a typical scenario where he saw you performing and he kind of came out and did, you know had somebody reach out to you and that you know his, his normal approach to doing things? Well, it was, actually, it was really interesting, man. I mean, we were we were part of a house band. Uh, you know, he had saw the, the the original band that I was with in, in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, at least his, his folks did, and and um, uh, we got a pretty good compliment with that. You know, we was playing Prince songs and whatnot. You know, and and the, the, uh, his band people were like, man, we see a lot of people play the music and they butcher it, but you guys play it like we do. But what really turned the corners once I got to Minneapolis, uh, I had a uh, like a band that we had, or G Sharp and the Edge, and we were like basically the house band at Glam Slam. And he wanted to take Carmen Electro on the road to open, and so we, you know, he just got got my whole band and made us the the, the band for Carmen. And so, uh, you know, he would, you know, we had us rehearsing and you know doing anything with that band, and so eventually, I guess over time. You know, um, you know, I was MD for that band, and he was helping us kind of get our show together. And so we kind of like, you know, started kind of talking along those lines, you know, just what he wanted for arrangements and stuff. And then eventually when the opportunity came for his band, um, uh, you know, Rosie had left. And then uh, the, the, the crazy thing is, is that everybody knew except for me that I was in the band. Like a lot of people knew, I got it. I got like three telephone calls from like uh, Tony called me, Sonny called me, and a guy named Dick McCallie who owned a, a music store I used to go to. I was like a crack addict, man. Like at the music store, I'd be over there every time I got money. I would go to the music store, and uh, this, you know, everybody's calling me like, "Man, congratulations, man! You got you're in the band." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And they'd be like, well, you're in the NPG. And I'm like, no, no I'm not. I haven't heard anything about it. <laughs> so so by the time I got to, like, like Sonny called me. Sonny, I ra- actually ran into Sonny at, the, at this other place called New Coupe. It used to be this old music store that was there. And I ran into Sonny, and he's like, yeah, man, congratulations. I'm like, what is like, what is everybody talking about, man? Like, what? what? <laughs> so I go to the slam. And uh, there was a guy named Gilbert Davidson. Gilbert uh, used to be one of the Prince's bodyguards. He was running the club, and everything. And and Gilbert was like at the door, like like it was he was like he was waiting. And uh, soon as I walk in, Gilbert said, "He's like Morris." And, like he just sees me and just pounces on me, man. And I'm like, "What's up, Gilbert?" And he's like, um, uh, "Morris, you want to be in the band?" 
And I said, I don't know, Gil. I said, I don't know, man. I said, the contracts, I hear these contracts, crazy, man. I got to think about it, uh, you know, because I need these contracts. He said, he said, he said, don't worry about the contract. You know, I, I, I sort that out. Don't worry about it. And he said, he said, okay, I got to tell you. He said, um, um, I, I already told Prince you said yes. <laughs> I didn't even talk to him. So, so I said, oh, now it all makes sense. <laughs> so I was like, oh, so now that's why everybody keeps saying I'm in because when Prince asks, you know, Prince will ask you to do something. And then when he sees you again, he goes, like, did you talk to Morris? And then they'd be like, oh, yeah, 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 he's good. He's Because he's thinking, of course he's going to say yes. You know, of course. You're going to say, like, you're going to be in the band. I'm like, yes, and then thank you, good night. It's all over. But instead, yeah, I was right. like, I don't know, man. I don't know. And he was like, okay, because he knew if Prince saw him, and he didn't tell me he was in the soup, right? He was going to be in the soup. And so he was like, okay, man, I already told Prince you said yes. I said, I don't know, Gil, you shouldn't have told him that, man. And, and, but he's like, dude, don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. It's all good. Sure enough, I go upstairs. And, you know, one of the security dudes see me and he comes over, boss wants you to come over. So I go over and then, you know, Prince does the whole thing like, hey, what's up, grandson? Need, need a job? Need some work? I said, uh, yeah, man, I'll be over there to mow that yard for you first thing Monday. I'll be over there. <laughs> and he started laughing. He's like, no, man. Like, get in the band. And uh, so he was like, I was like, and so, you know, man, it was crazy because for I always tell, I mean, I've told this story like a thousand times. There's like, it was two feelings that I had, brother, and that was uh, the, the feeling of when I first, um, when I walked halfway to my car, you know, you're just like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, I'm in the band, I'm in the band, like that. And then the other half of the way, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to figure out that I'm not, like, worthy. I, I'm not uh, I'm not at the level that these cats are at, man, because I'm like, Sonny and Mike and, and Levi and all these, like, Barbarella. I was like, dude. I'm not even in the ballpark with these cats. And I just felt like, man, I'm in over my head. Now I'm going to be a laughing stock. If I don't get this, I'm going to look completely crazy when they be like, because when your word goes out that you're in, everybody's like, oh, he's in. And then if you don't make it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's too bad, bro. Yeah, well, hey, good luck with that. <laughs> you know, it's like you just get the kicked in the back. You know, look. <laughs> and so... It was crazy, man, and it was really, like, nerve-wracking because I just, all I could think about when I got the other halfway to the car was, like, I got to, I got to, now I got to prove myself that I can actually hang and be in this situation, man, because I was like, man, I'm way over my head, you know, so it was kind of crazy, but it worked out. I guess it worked out, you know, over time. Yeah, I guess. You know, worked yes, out sir. fine. Yes, <laughs> I guess it did. Now, I, I was just told, I, I don't know that I knew this, you were in Maserati? That is correct. Uh, that that was a that was a group. It's funny because I did like a few openings for Maserati over the years, and um, and I and Craig Rice, who was one of Prince's, you know, ran at Paisley Park, and he was a tour manager for the Purple Rain tour. <clears throat> he was managing them, and I was working with with with, uh, with Brown Mark at his studio, and they was like, "Yeah, dude, uh, we want you to audition." And I had a band in Texas that I was playing in, and they, you know, we had opened up for him in San Antonio, and doing some other stuff and I remember when um, you know they came through and they was like yeah dude we're going to be doing some personnel changes we got a new record deal we'll do some personnel changes and uh, I want you guys uh, you know you and this other cat Greg to audition and so we did and I got the audition made that through and it's crazy you know we rehearsed and I did one show with Maserati 
but the craziest Maserati thing for me, you know, man, it was cool because we like, you know, we love Maserati, man. They were like dope when we opened for them. We did, like did a, like maybe three openings for them, like Memphis and and some other places around like Texas. But uh, the cool thing was about Maserati. I was I had just finished the first uh, I finished the Diamonds and Pearl tour thing being with Carmen, and you know, at the end of the tour, there's this cool situation where Prince always throws this big lavish party, man. It's like it's dope. It's like a place called Tramps in London. Like, you know, Mick Jagger was there. Like, everybody was there, man. It was like the bomb. And it's like, uh, you know, you get the limo, they got the red carpet, the paparazzi, all of this is out there, man. And, and it's crazy because, you know, my little band, we were the opening band, so, you know, we we in the limo, we get out, and all the pictures start and then somebody goes, who, who is that? Who are they? And then some guy's like, oh, that's nobody. <laughs> They're nobody. <laughs> so, so you're like, kind of like, oh, you're like, you know, you just dejected because it's like, you're not the NPG, you're the little opening band. And so we kind of had that little, oh, man, that's hard. So we get inside, you know, I'm in the loo, you know, going pee, dude. Next to me at the next urinal over is, is Boy George. And he looks at me, and I'm doing my business, man. And this dude, like, I'm like, oh, snap, that's Boy George right there. And he goes, I understand you in Maserati. And I go, like, and I'm making a joke. And I'm like, uh, yeah, don't tell nobody. Like, like, like making a joke kind of thing. And he said, oh, no, we love them. You know, and I was like, yeah, dude. I was like, yeah, man, that's my my early cats, man. And, and he was like, and I'm like, I'm standing there tripping like, man, this boy George. Stand, we two dudes standing at the loo, and he talking to me about it. He, he knew I was in Maserati from somehow. I don't know how he knew. Because boy, boy George at that point was still pretty heavy, man. And I'm just tripping because I'm already kicked in the back. And then this dude, remember, I'm in Maserati. He says, oh, man, I love Maserati. I said, yeah, man, that's my cats, man. And it was like, so it was like it was a real crazy thing. I never would have expected in a million years for Boy George to be standing in the loo talking about he knew I was in Maserati. And I'm like, that was crazy. That was a crazy moment. Yeah, because yeah, Amita just sent me a picture of you in Maserati. I know you guys know Amita Coburn. She uh she sent me a picture. Yeah, of your, I thought she was gonna say she sent a picture from the loo. She, I was no, like, How did no. she get that, man? <laughs> <laughs> she sent me a picture that of you. Girl good, man. She sent me a picture of you in a turtleneck. <laughs> you were oh. in a turtleneck in that shot, in the bad shot. Uh oh. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna well, have to post it. I needed the money. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. She's like, you got a turtleneck and some, some some shorts and a sandal set. Oh, oh no. my <laughs> Oh my gosh. I'm so, gonna have some words with that girl. <laughs> yeah, she's she's a troublemaker, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, I hear you, you guys are going on tour. And so, you know, tell me about how the tour has been going out. I know, you know, at first when you were starting this tour and, um, you know, I, this can be, you know, for, you know, Mackenzie, Damon, let's give you guys some airtime. But how, how do you feel like, the, you know, the, the tour has been going so far? And, you know, do you feel like you're getting some really, really good momentum going here? I mean, how, how has the tour been going so far? I've been seeing some photos that have been fantastic and just been packed houses. 
I've been talking for a little bit. I'll let y'all go ahead. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Don't, no, don't, I, don't, I, I was, I, don't try to get out here and just shy now. Well, look, just just so there's no dead air, though, though really, dude, it's been uh, it's been really phenomenal, man. I, I have to tell you, um, you know, we knew that, uh, you know, going out as MPG uh, without Prince, man, was going to be a, a challenge because a lot of people, you know, that's all they know of, of all of these groups, really, is with Prince uh, uh, front these bands. And so we knew that it was a it was a challenge to go out and, and, and to uh, to do these shows and do these things. Things without Prince and and I and our thing was man we weren't gonna ever try to find somebody to try to re- replace Prince you can't replace Prince you know we we wanted to be able to go out play this music you know get a tribute for the fans and for the people who wanted to hear this music man but we knew we wanted to have somebody that could that could carry these songs man and as best that they could uh, but still maintain their own kind of vibe you know Kip did a fantastic job he does a fantastic job with that uh, Prince you know like Kip and Mackenzie's been phenomenal, man, and just Andre being out with us, you know, it's just been real cool, you know, and um, I think one by one as the people see it and they, 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 they get it, you know, once you see it, you get it because a lot of people probably have a, you know, probably apprehension about like, well, what could it look like or what could it be? And so I think as we go out and do these things, man, and go play these shows, I think people come to understand, okay, they can, they can still get down. They can still go and do this thing. And uh, because what it is for us, man, we just, we love this music. The fans love this music and as long as there's an appetite for it we want to go out and deliver but we also wanted to be able to do it at a high level man so that that prince was had it happened to one of those shows he'd be like okay gotta get my piece in because these dudes getting it we want it to be like that man and i think that it's been uh very good you know notwithstanding any technical issues we had like this last one there's a few technical things that sound but i think what was delivered to the fans was something that we could be proud of and i, and I think that's what's going to continue to be and i think it's the more we get out and people see that it, what it what it is, then I think they'll get it, and I think more people will uh, will enjoy what we're trying to put down. Yeah, because I've seen some yeah, shots of yeah, Mackenzie. So yeah, I've seen some shots of Mackenzie where he's like, you know, I mean, I, I can't remember who was doing the photography, but Mackenzie just is like this amazing showman. There's like huge shots of him like three feet in the air, and, and it's just. <laughs> Oh, he's phenomenal, man. That's 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 one of the things when we saw him. You know, like like there's a few videos of him on YouTube and everything, and and Jill, uh, our manager, saw him and was just like, yeah, this kid's got a spark. He's got a thing, you know. And sure enough, when we got him in there, he he's he just got that magic, you know. And that's something that's important, I think, when you're talking about somebody that you want to bring into an outfit like the NPG. Uh, we 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 look for that spark plug, you know. Kip's got it, you know. Andre's got it now. Mackenzie came in; he's got it. So we just wanted to just continue to have people that understand the level that they have to operate in to be able to do this music, you know. And, and Mackenzie gets that, you know. And I think that's what's dope about him. He's, but he's still humble. He's still cool, and he's still he's like he's hungry. He wants to learn, and you know. So that's something that you know. Uh, that we all look at, look at when we're talking about people to come in a situation like that. And that's what's great about it. But he's really, man, he's this cat is fire on the stage, you know, yeah. because he feels the music, you know. Yeah. So, Damon, how you hold now? Hey, man, I'm, you know, I'm loving it, man. Uh, you know, like Moore said, we, you know, we didn't know what to expect when we came out there, but we knew what we wanted to do. You know, we want to, you know, 
present Prince's music the best way we can, you know, and, and, you know, he taught us well, you know, it's like to go out here and put on the best show you can, you know, and decide any other technical things that may happen, go out there and get, you know, put on the best show you can for the fans, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's just been a blessing, man. So uh, for everybody that's been out there to see the shows, you know, it's like, of course, they don't know what to expect without seeing Pete there with us. But, you know, we were trained by, uh, like, what I used to call him as a chef, you know. He, he was a chef in the kitchen with all of these ingredients that he threw together. So, and now that these ingredients have, you know, been put together, hey, we go out there and give them that flavor. Yeah, that's great, yeah. man. Mackenzie, you found your, have you found your groove? Have you found your groove now? You know, I, I definitely feel like as the shows go on, I'm I'm getting more and more of a groove. But, you know, what I touched on earlier is one of the things I like about being a part of this outfit. I'm never going to be able to be comfortable. It, you know, it's, it's always these guys are so forward thinking. And I'm sure a lot of that rubbed off on them from being, you know, around Prince um, and not just musically, but visually and, and what, what they're trying to present on stage. They're always thinking about making the show bigger and better and stronger. So as much as I am finding a groove, I'm finding within constantly being stretched. And, and I was going to say, you know, just to touch on what they're talking about with these shows, one of the coolest things for me has been hearing fans, you know, that made it a point to come to multiple shows because they knew that the first one was going to be emotional. You know, their first time. Some of these, you know, people have seen the band before, you know, with Prince, and they didn't know what to expect, but they knew for sure they were going to be emotional. And the, they would say, you know, the first, you know, tonight I wept, I cried, I got the got a, the healing part, you know, going out of it, and then we'll be back tomorrow night. And we're gonna dance, and just seeing the commitment that these people still have to this man's music is inspiring. Like it, it, it's really inspiring beyond even being able to play with this caliber of musician. Just seeing firsthand up front, everyone knowing every word to every song, not just the words yeah. but the hits. The, the musical intros and all that is it's like it's really inspiring sometimes it's hard to focus and stay in the moment and put on a good show because it's really moving to see that yeah so are, yeah, you, yeah. you got to be getting yeah, lots of advice well. you got to be getting lots of advice from these guys i mean because morris has been in it so long damon's been in it so long you know so i mean these you know you're working with you know some pretty some pretty utmost professionals here what are some of the things that you know like some of the tips that, you know, and this is specifically to you, Mackenzie, what are some of the tips that you've, you know, gotten from Morris? Is he like picking on you because, you know, you're wearing New Balance shoes out on the stage or. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, um, so definitely with stuff like that, it's important, you know, like he's Morris is a real cool cat. So he's always dressed to the nines and stuff like that. And, you know, he's, he's someone who's definitely, you know, just expressed to me, you know, the value in, in, uh, always being on and, and that including like, you know, how you dress when you come out of the house and how you even look when you're going to the grocery store. And, you know, I, I take that to heart and I appreciate that. But most importantly, just the musical advice that I've gotten from him, um, whether it's, you know, Tony and Damon helping me with different steps, different choreography, or uh, Kirk helping me, you know, with song endings and even Kip uh, vocally just giving me pointers here and there. It's literally like, I just got a new video game for Christmas and I got a big book of cheat codes at the same time. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm learning from, you know, everybody in this band 
artist and musician in their own right. But, you know, they got to learn and grow with the greatest. So everything that they're passing down to me, regardless of what it is, I usually just shut my mouth and take notes because I know they're right. And I know that even if I don't understand it in the moment, they're right. Yeah, And that's just what it is. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's 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 a totally different business. It's it's not like playing in just a regular band. You you you're up there representing. Right. You, you're representing right. Prince because I, I we were at the celebration. I can't remember who said this. I think it was Susanna. That she was saying that there was even in the early days, Prince was like, "You have to protect that image. You have to if you leave right. your if you leave your hotel room, you need to be dressed like you're dressed on stage when you go down into that lobby. You always have to be represented right. all the time, twenty four seven. And I just I was just thought that was just amazing to me because you don't see a lot of artists that are committed like that or you know can get bands to conform in that way. Because that's I mean it's and and I know Morris, I mean, you, you you probably got plenty of stories like that where you're just you're like. I can't believe he was such a stickler for this, that, or the other. Oh, man, yeah, man. you know, yeah, go ahead, Dan. Oh, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm like waiting on you to get in it because I'm telling you, we, I mean, he, there was a time where he made it a commitment to us to say, hey, I'm going to lock y'all this amount of money. I need y'all to go get clothes. You know, personal stuff, not just for what's on stage. So that was already being, you know, some, you know, made for it, you know. And he just made it a point to tell us, you know, you, you need to be, you know, dressed right when you're outside of this or whatever. And so uh, it was just one of them things. You knew, you know, that you want to look good regardless of what you were doing. If it was a sweatsuit, it better be a nice sweatsuit. Right. I mean, Prince was a consummate star. I mean, that's, you know, he wasn't, it wasn't like, I, I say this often too, it's like uh, Prince was just Superman all the time. He never turned into Clark Kent. You know, he never went and put the, the other outfit on and, and then moved amongst the people. He was always Superman, like straight up. So you didn't ever yes, see sir. him outside of Prince mode. So uh, that was always funny because, man, I'm from around the way. You know, I got my little rodeo uh, uh SUV and Prince was like, what, what kind of car do you have? I said, well, you know, I got that four-wheel drive joint. It's Minnesota, man. We get snow. Well, you, you need a convertible. I'm like, yeah. Well, you got some convertible money? Because, man, I got this snowmobile right here. You know, it was like, but I, and I remember him telling me, like, you know, Morris, you know, you're a star. You're a rock star. You should dress like a rock star. I said, Prince, I go to the Walmart, man. To, to the Walgreens, uh, you can't go. I, I, if I put on some clothes like you, man, they'll they'll, they'll be like, "What is this crazy mo?" But they, you know, they'd be like, "Dude," I said, "You can get away with it," but I said, "Dude, he said, you can absolutely. You have to be a rock star, and you you are a rock star." He said, "It's all psychological. It's like in your mind." So I always kind of had that thing, like because he didn't do like normal stuff, like go to McDonald's and stuff like that, or whatever. You know, he, he was in rock mode all the time. So, he, so, yeah. so, you know, so it was kind of crazy. So I just was like, that's kind of difficult. Like, I'm going to, like, dress up like you and then get out of my SUV. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> it would have been a little crazy. But, but that was the thing, man. He always wanted us to represent, man, because he said, you know, that's what he liked about bands like Parliament Funkadelic and James Brown. You know, you, you we, we've lost that. 
with a lot of the artists of the day uh, in a lot of situations, yeah. man, that they, they, they don't separate the stage from, like, everyday life. And um, it's all blended together. The, the, the tour jacket era is over. You know, it's mm-hmm. like all of these things have changed in the music game now. So uh, it's, it's just very different, man. If you just go on the stage with a, and maybe it's cool. I like people like what they like, but I, I always dig the the flash of show business. You know, the 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 thing that makes it like bigger than life. You know, that you look like you had a spectacle. Like people like really put some time in to think about what they look like and what the the presentation was like. And then it's a cool thing to be able to just vibe on what the music is is about. You know, I think there's a balance in everything, and and, and what we want to always strike man it's just that 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 balance of like when people pay you know man people pay a lot of money to come to shows now you want to see fireworks you know uh big screens and and, and slides and all kind of stuff in there because you don't feel like you got ripped off if you don't man because everybody wants so much money to come to shows and so you really want to feel like you saw something man yeah yeah, yeah for real yeah, well, that's when I went to go see Prince Piano in a microphone. I mean, I, the amount of money I paid for a ticket, but it was like, it was fine. But there was there was really not a whole bunch of anything going on. It was him, a piano, and some graphics behind him on a huge screen. And there was a couple little tables with but, candles but, on them, and that was yeah. about it. But but it was but think Prince. About, but, think of, but think about that, though. Yeah, that's that, and there you just hit it, because... In contrast to all of the show, Love Sexy, and all of the big productions, and all of the endorphin machine, and all of the stuff that we did, to have him just strip down and do that was probably one of the best things. It was a, to me that may have been the zenith of his career. Is because that is I always said like I, I remember in 1996 I was with the guys and we had a rough little patch with Prince like we were in Japan and, and he got mad at us because you know we we hadn't. Uh, we had just got there, and we didn't really go over the show. We just kind of had some mistakes the first show. He just hate mistakes, man. And and we just all fell out. Like, he wasn't even talking to us, man. And I remember telling the band in the back, you know, because he was, like, really being funny style, man. And I remember telling the guys, I said, you know, he's probably going to get rid of us. I said, there's, there's two bands that Prince hasn't done that I know he wants to do and that, that he hasn't done yet. And that was an all-female band and a band of clones. A band of clones, and that, and and so, but the closest thing you can get to that is just him by himself. And in the end, my prediction was right. He wanted to do a girls' band, and he wanted to do a thing where it was him by himself. And that, to be honest, man, was the only time that Prince could really be sure that it was going to be great. Is that uh, if he was doing it all, did he do? I didn't have to worry about what Morris is going to do. What Dame is going to do, about what Levi is going to do, or anybody. He knows that if right. I'm doing it, because Prince had complete confidence in his own ability. And he knew if I'm doing it, it's going to be a show, and I'm going to kill it. That's what he just thought. Yeah. And I think that was the, probably one of the few times that he didn't have no worries about who was going to do what. And he knows that I'm driving, and it's going to be great. Thank you. Good night. Well, I know from his mm-hmm. private camp, I know it was from his private camp from behind the scenes that people were saying that he was actually, uh, uh, he was quite nervous to do that because he had never, you know, it was in, I, what I found interesting, they said, oh, well, he's never done this before. And I said, no, that's not necessarily true because on the One Night Alone tour, that was actually part of the show. He actually had a segment of that show that was just him and a piano. Right. So he had technically done that yeah. before. But it was, oh, yeah. I, I think, the entirety of a show, to have an entire show that was just that, 
was quite unnerving for him, which was kind of shocking because now there was a, there's this recent announcement that he's got a, there's a brand new album coming out September 21st. That's him and a piano from 1986 or something or 1983. And so 83, yeah, I yeah. So that. yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of weird to, to think that that was actually so terrorizing for him or, or, or so terrifying for him, more or less, because this is something that he's always done. So did you guys ever feel like, was there any point in time where you ever sensed that Prince was nervous or a little bit uneasy about something before a show moving, you know, in, in any of your shows that you guys did with him? Well, none that I ever thought of. I mean... You know, he was always prepared for whatever we do. I mean, uh, whatever happens in the show, if there was something that's messed up, I mean, you know, you would never know it by watching the show if you were a fan looking at it, you know. But uh, no, I, I don't think that I, not that I ever know of, Mo, you know of any time? I, I can't really recall any time that he may have been nervous about anything like that. The thing, the thing for me is uh, Prince would get nervous about big shows, especially like ones on television. It's like uh, I I didn't realize it until like later on because like I remember we doing like the American Music Awards and he just kept asking me like he he called my trailer and asked what I was wearing like what are you wearing I'm like uh the the the, the one outfit that you had and he said uh wear the wear the shirt with the hood on it and then click he hang up I'm like okay so I get that and then he called back. And be like, um, I want you to wear the mask. Uh, okay. <laughs> and it was like, he kept calling back and like, and then he called back and said, uh, okay, so sometimes I'll wear the mask. You know, you'll wear them tonight. Sometimes I'll wear it. I'm like, oh, okay, dude, it's cool. Whatever you want me to do. It's like, it's, it's all good. And I was like, why does he keep calling me? Like, like every five minutes, like, what do you, what do you, what are you wearing? And I'm like, uh, okay. So I come to find out that it was just like he was nervous, like uh, about doing that. And it's like he would have this pre-show thing that he would kind of go through. And I started noticing it because he'd get real, everything got real serious and real like, you know, thick, you know. And I just kind of finally realized that, oh, because I remember seeing him like way back in the day in like the 70s when he was on American Bandstand. And uh, and I just thought it was just him being weird because he was like, you know, he's this eclectic artist and everything. But it was just he was nervous. And But then when he gets on the stage, it's all gone. It's like poof, gone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mackenzie and I were talking about it's, that at the beginning gone. of the show. Yeah, you get behind that microphone and it's just... It's just all that just disappears. It's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what I'm yeah. doing. Never mind. It's, yeah, it's like a showtime. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Showtime. Yeah, yeah it's it's. And it's so that's great. what it was, man. But Yeah. Yeah, because I also read something that, you know, there would be, and I think it was an, an interview I'd read a long time ago from you, <laughs> Morris, talking about 72-hour rehearsals. I, I mean, I knew that he was like a rehearsal junkie, but I... 72-hour rehearsals just seems really extreme to well, me. Well, I mean, I don't know if it was, I think that was more or less a studio session that was like like three days. I mean, I, I don't remember rehearsing like straight through like rehearsal for like three days, but I do oh, recall um, <laughs> like like in the studio, like 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 three days. We like, I think, matter of fact, working on the Gold Necker record uh, that, that we did, I think it just like it toward the end, it just like we had stayed up for like three days. 
And it's just like after like three, like you just slap happy. Everything was funny. Like anything anybody did was just everybody just laughed at you, like laying on the ground. <laughs> I mean, and it was and when you really think about it, like it wasn't even that funny. And it was just like, why are we laughing? Like, it's because you're like drunk. Because it's like you're tired. It's just you've, you've, you've got the third win. Now you're the second win, third, fourth win, and you're just going. And, um, so, but he could do, I've seen him do it a few times. Like I'd clock out for a few hours or something like sitting in my chair where I'm sitting and I'd be asleep, man. I, I learned the art of sleep very quickly with Prince. And uh, he used to make fun with, uh, at me all the time about, I remember we went to Terry Lewis's house to like see a screening for this movie that they wanted to put some music of ours in. And uh, as soon as we got over to Terry's house, we were waiting for Terry to show up, and he shows up, and Prince says, uh, well, Terry, you won't have to worry about Morris. He'll be asleep in the first few minutes of the movie. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was like as soon as he gets in there, he falls asleep. Because that's whenever you don't sit and don't do anything, that's a perfect opportunity to go to sleep with Prince. It's like, okay, we're sitting. We're at the movies. We, you know, ain't nothing you can do but what? Man, sleep. And Terry said, yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. So I was like, yes, finally, somebody that gets it. But, uh, but you know, that's the he just can go, man, and just could stay up and just go, go, go. And I was like, dude, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, there was a, some of those slap-happy moments that always cracked me up. Like, you, you hear them. Like what's the 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 one segue that artist formerly known as Prince? <laughs> oh, oh yeah! Oh my God, dude! But it's like everybody is just like dying, cracking up, laughing, and you can't help but laugh because everybody else is laughing. But then after you hear it multiple times, you're like, it, it's kind of funny. I don't know that it's that funny. <laughs> yeah, but 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 what was funny is is that's the one yeah. man. That's Kip's brother. And he was like the the ultimate egger. Like he would egg on everybody to like, you know, if you got somebody that's gonna be in a fight, you ain't to do fighting, but you pushing the get, go and get it, man, go get it, you know. And he was the ultimate. Like once he once he got behind you, he started laughing. It was just this infectious thing. Everybody just started laughing. That was because he's, he's dying. Oh my god! He, yeah, so he's dying. And Prince. Oh, dude, it was hilarious because we all up in the studio, man. All our air is coming out. We just like dying right now, you know. So it, it was really funny, but uh, but yeah. he he knew how to egg the situation along, you know. Yeah, I remember when Duan came into Atlanta and, and he was just like, "Well, I'll just come over to the studio." I was like, "Yeah, come on, let's go." And he's like, "What are we eating?" <laughs> I was like, "Okay, I guess I gotta cook. <laughs> I guess I gotta cook." That's funny, man. <laughs> so I had, I made pot roast and everything else, and we kind of hang out. And it was just a blast. But yeah, he's a nut. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, yeah he's funny. Yeah, man. So yeah, it's it's uh you know, and I was listening yesterday. We were playing some um, playing some clips from the uh, Montreux Jazz Festival, and uh, I, for some reason I missed it. I, I I've listened to that that show, you know, in various spots because it's a fantastic show. And it was the first time I heard Morris. I heard your name called out. For some reason, I kept missing it. And because uh, I never knew who everyone was there, I don't think I've seen the actual video or whatever. But um, it's, it's so. What is it like to play the Montreux Jazz Festival? Well, I mean, it's, it's man. Look, we've we've done so many cool things like that. And Montreux is like you know, there's a few jazz, there's a lot of jazz festivals around the world, and there's just a few that are extraordinarily prestigious in, in terms of like everybody wants to play it, everybody knows about it, and Montreux is one of those. You know, Claude. Uh, uh, 
over there with the Montreux uh, Festival is just was an amazing cat, man. And he was just super cool. He had worked with everybody, you know, Herbie and George Duke, all, all of the people, all the great artists. And so for me to go and do it, it was just like phenomenal because it's like, it's one of the things like Carnegie Hall and like Madison Square Garden and like, you know, playing like Wembley Stadium. It's like certain things is like, yeah, you know, if you do it at that level, especially when you get like the main stages and that sort of thing, that's when it's, it's like it's really dope, man. And, you know, I played Montreal with Maceo and I've done it with France. And so it was like, dude, it's like unbelievable. And and for us to go, you know, again and, and do it, it was, man, it was just bittersweet because, you know, having done it with Prince and then had to go back and, and try to represent, man, it was tough, but it was cool. You know, fans were just amazing, man, and they just embraced us. And so we just loved it. Yeah, I think what I always find interesting about, specifically about Montreux Jazz Festival with, with Prince is is the set list that he always came out with. With It's just so vastly different from everything that he, you know, I mean, from Stratus to, you know, Spanish Castle Magic to, you know, he would do these songs that he normally would not do. And I just think that it's just, it's such a fantastic event for for Prince fans because he always really dug deep to, to kind of come up with something really special for those types of audiences. And man, it was just, yeah. it's always well, a fantastic time. It was amazing because what he would do is, you know, Prince would look at the configuration of the people that he had in the, in the, in the ensemble, in the band. So, you know, he had Rhonda Smith, he had Blackwell, he had Meadow. And, you know, I would, you know me, man, I just jump in and fill in whatever color need to be. Like, you know, he used to call me, he said, you know, uh, Morris, you just go in and do the thing and you're just the glue. You just, just, you know, you know where to get in at. So I just kind of like get in where I fit in, you know what I'm saying? And so, but he had some killer players in Renato Neto and Blackwell and Ronda. So he could stretch out, you know, he could do some stuff. You know, he knew it was the Montreux Jazz Festival. And even though, you know, Prince always would say, you know, we can do them, but they can't do us. You know, and so that was a big thing for him to just be able to let him know that, yeah, we can funk, we can do this, but we can stretch out and we can play. You know, we'll kill a few solos, too. And that's what they did. I mean, man, Renato just stupid. That boy oh, just crazy. God, and so yeah. between him and Blackwell and, and, and Rhonda Smith, man, it was like, thank you, good night, bro. So it was it was for me to be even included, uh, to be a part of that ensemble, man, was, it was super cool for me. And, um, uh, you know, I'm just glad I was able to do some of those things. But that that's one of the big things with press, to just be able to take different directions, man, and, uh, and, and be able to hit it with confidence, you know, hit it with vigor, you know. So that's what he was able to do. Yeah, I just I always wonder what those sessions look like when they're out doing, you know, those types of jazz festivals because even the song structures – just really change dramatically for those shows, just the way the songs yeah. are structured. Yeah. And I mean, are, are, right. you, what, what does a session look like when they're trying to set up for those types of shows where the songs you've been playing in the same way for years and now all of a sudden we're going to do this little, you know, is it is it a pretty quick process? I mean, you're talking about, as you were mentioning, that you had some fantastic players there. You had Renato Neto, you had Ronda, you had John Blackwell. So you, you have folks that are going to catch on quick, but I imagine that those are still very, very long practice sessions, uh, just trying to get all yeah, that stuff right. I mean, right, and it, and it was. I mean, we rehearsed all day like uh, to, to do that stuff, and I mean, the, the bottom line is, man, 
Michael Bland gave me the best piece of advice when I got in the band early on. He told me, like, don't marry yourself to these arrangements, period. Don't marry yourself to it. Like, you spend a lot of time, work hard to learn the songs the way they gave them to you, and Prince will change them in a New York minute. Sometimes he would change them in the sound check before the show that night. Just after you have learned it a certain way and just, like, got it drilled in your head this way, and he will change it, just like he did on Letterman. It's like it's crazy. So he, so Mike told me that, and I always remember that in the back of my mind, don't marry myself to these arrangements. We used to have three different ways that we played Most Beautiful Girl in the World in the arrangements. And, uh, and then we had the remix versions of them that we played. And so it's like if you didn't remember which, you know, and we kind of give them a name like the, uh, like the World Music Award arrangement or whatever, we know that that's the arrangement we want to play for tonight and then you had to remember which one of those arrangements it was I mean it was crazy man but uh, but that's just some practice and, and just knowing that you know he could change on a dime and just flip the script but uh, I just love the way he would put that stuff together man just because the way he did a little uh, Corvette uh, he switched that around and you know some of the stuff he did was off of uh, a record he and I worked on together uh, for, for uh, Bria and um, uh, some of the stuff was off of her record and I mean just how he just kind of redid it and put the jazz flavor on it the fusion kind of flavor on it man it was just bananas man yeah he and, and the, mm-hmm. how many songs did you have to know going in I mean, because I know I've I've heard these stories before where they say, "Oh yeah, you've got to, you have to be ready to play any of 125 songs at any given time." Oh yeah, <laughs> I had easily that amount of my computer. Matter of fact, he had maxed out my computer to the point I had to ask him, "What can I take away so I can add new stuff?" <laughs> and he had to literally come over to my computer and like look at song titles and say, "You can take that out. You can take that out." You can take that out because I just like I maxed out the, the available space that I have in it. Uh, you know. Yeah, there's some songs you were talking about the different structure and some of the ways that he kind of changed things and livened certain things up. Because I, I, I mean, I've always loved the song "Pop Life." I always loved that song, and I've always loved "Strange Relationship." But something happened with those two songs in particular. Something about the arrangement, and I'm not. I'm a professional vocalist, but I'm not a musician. So I, you know, I never really sat down and analyzed what exactly is happening with those songs. But something happened in late, well, the early 2000s with those two songs in particular, where they just took on a whole new life. It still sounded like everything was the same and the notes were the same, but there was something more dramatic about it. Was there any songs that you that you you know thought were okay and then once you actually got to the point where you got in the band and you started playing them live that you were like oh this song's taking on a whole new life to me i love this song way more than i did originally bro that was the whole diamonds and pearls album when i first started going and hearing princeton putting that together because I, i i heard i think i heard the rehearsal of Diamonds and Pearls before I heard the record. And and that's when I realized that, man, when Prince does music live, it takes a whole nother level. I I didn't like the record as much as I liked the live after I had heard it live. Because it just like, Live for Love, oh my God, dude, that was one of my favorite songs off that record, man. And they would murderize that at the live show. That was one of my favorite songs to watch them do. When I when I got done with you know my opening thing with Carmen, I just loved to go watch the show. And when it got to live for love and just like a few other songs in the set, 
it was that was bananas to me, man. And I was just like, dude, like just everything like went up a level than it was on the record. It's like he knew how to take a, a track and enhance it and just put that extra thing on it. So it's not like it's static like the record, but you get this extra enhanced version. And so he was really good at that, man. And I, that's one of the things I really appreciated about Prince's arrangement and how he approached music. Like there would be little nuanced things he'd play in a record, but once you do it live, he would take all the little minor things and then make it a big thing. So any little note that that, some, that somebody played a cool little lick in the song, when you do it live, everybody plays the lick. And now you make it a big thing. I even made mistakes like when I was playing some stuff uh, on the when we were recording, and he just was like, "No, leave it." I'd be like, "Yeah, I need to fix that lick." He's like, "No, it's cool, leave it." I'm like, "But it was wrong," and he's like, "Wrong to who?" <laughs> and then then he'd fix it, be like he'd fix it by making everybody else play the same thing, and it'd be like, "Oh, that was sideways. That was really dope." Yeah, I had heard so, that about so him. It's just like you know, I had heard that yeah, about them. He, he said, that. "If you play something wrong, if you play a lick wrong." Play it again. <laughs> so then it repeated, and then it's, repeat it. then it's cool. <laughs> right. So people think that that was what you meant to do the first time. <laughs> I had heard that before. Well, he could yeah. do that better than anybody. Oh, he yeah. could do that better than anybody, man. Just play the same lick on a guitar and just repeat it. And I'd always be like, because I'd do something, and he'd be like, what you just do? And I'd be like, what? You just did something really cool. I'd be like, oh, okay. Do that again. I'm like, what? And he'd be like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I just went by me. I'm like, uh, okay, I didn't know what I just did. I, uh, you know, Cassandra was real good with that too, though. Cassandra O'Neill, like she, she's just like a, she got ears. She could hear grass growing, man. I mean, and she could just play anything once she heard it. Once she could do it again, she's just crazy. I mean, so that's the thing about the musicianship that was around there. He had so many players that was like dope like that. You know, Levi was crazy like that. Yep. You know, Sonny, he told me Sonny's a computer. He said, Sonny, you just put it in and it comes back out just like you put it in. He's a computer. He told mm -hmm. me that. He's like, Sonny's just like a, you know, it's just straight up a computer. Yeah. I found that out to be true. Yeah, you you pretty much lay something out and you, you just tell them exactly how you want it and that's how you're going to get it. <laughs> you better make sure it's right. Yeah. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! So, so Damon, do you have any any songs that, like, when you when you know it's about time for you to perform, and you know, you, and you see a song coming up on the set list, is there something like, oh yeah, I'm ready for this. Let's do this. Oh uh, man, it's pretty much all of them, man. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm like, I mean, Morris do a great job at, at what we do now with our set and stuff, and switching up for whatever crowd and 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 what we, you know, whatever players we have. So. Um, I'm always interested in seeing what he's getting ready to put together, you know, for that night. So I'm watching the, you know, the set list and, you know, getting myself ready for whatever's coming up. So I just be prepared. I get excited just, just on the thought that, you know, we're getting ready to perform. So, you know, I don't really have a, a specific song that really gets me excited. You know, I mean, let's go crazy, all the other stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there that we, you know, that we do. I just, I just get excited, man, when I start thinking about it. And, you know, especially when I know it's, you know, we're going to, us up front got to really bring that energy, you know, so I'll be ready for anything, man. Yeah, Mackenzie, is there any songs yeah. that you, Mackenzie, is there any songs that you know, I don't know, Mackenzie, he's been quiet for so long, hopefully we got to wake him up. Oh, uh, man, I'm just enjoying the story. Is there any song that you see coming up on the set list, you see it coming up and you're like, 
Is there any song that makes you nervous whenever you see it on the set list? Um, I wouldn't say nervous. I would say I, I probably have a healthy nervousness about all of them because I know I better get those words right and I better get all the hits right. Um, but definitely songs like The Cross and then Purple Rain's always one that's like a little tough to get through just because it's, it's, you know, it's one that we close with and it's, it's like a... Mm. That that song is the only song in the set where you kind of have enough time to just sit and reflect on what you actually just got done doing and, and what you are doing. Yeah, I I can't imagine that that any of this is is obviously easy. I know one of the biggest challenges of going on tour as NPG as Prince's band. Here you are on stage representing Prince. That you know, the biggest challenge is performing without him. That's obviously the biggest challenge. But what do you, and this, this question could be for anybody, what, what do you feel any challenges beyond, uh, beyond that? Because you guys have apparently overcome that challenge as far as, you know, you, you've proven that you can do what you've, you, you can prove that you can do it. So is there any other challenges that you feel like you, you know, you're, you're still working through with, with some of the, the, the touring and with the show in general? Oh man, um, I don't know. But for me, I just I just know that you know just upholding that image for him, you know, and what we do, and you know, and just kind of maintaining that excellence that that he has instilled in us. So just to maintain being you know a high performance energy show for everything, man, and and just you know overall doing the best we can. I said I think for me, it's just want to make sure that we're always doing the best. Yeah. That's right, D. Right. I, I, think, I, I think that really sums it up uh, as best you can say it. I mean, uh, anytime we try to go and do anything with Prince's name and, and involved in it, you know, we have a certain level that people expect and a certain level that we expect. Uh, if you're going to do that, so we want to always make sure we, we perform at a title because people are what they miss to. And so when all ways are presented, don't do that. And we need to be out here. We can be operating a But we're accustomed to what the fans are accustomed to them to be doing it. Yeah, we, no, sir. Yeah, we got a little bit of a little bit of a bad right. connection, but we'll work we'll work through that. Uh, but the other thing, so who will uh, who wants to talk about where this tour is going next? Because I know this is one of the big things we want to talk about is where this tour is headed and where people can get excited that they're about to see you at. Uh, well, well, I know. Uh, next one is coming up in Milwaukee, uh, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, that's the first one. Um, next one's in, uh, what is it, Bayfield? Bayfield. Bayfield. Yeah. Bayfield. Yeah. Bayfield. Bayfield on the 7th, uh, I think it is, of uh, uh, July or so. So, them are the first two that are coming up, uh, you know, real soon. And we're, and we're just going to keep building from there. You know, the thing is, we've been uh, fortunate to, to do a lot of stuff overseas, but there have been a lot of folks in the state like, man, when y'all coming to Detroit, when y'all coming to Memphis, when y'all coming right. to like all the different places, man. And so, we, you know, we got a new agent um, here in the States, you know, man, just like dealing with a lot of this stuff that's all about who you have, who you're connected with, that, that's connected to the different venues, man. We're finding out, uh, you know, I know I'm finding out that, you know, a lot of stuff that I did when I was with Prince, man, it was just like, it was cake, man, because I got in the, 
plane or the bus or whatever I was on and went on and did what I did. You know, there was a lot of work that went on behind the scenes that I just didn't know about. And now that we out here doing it, man, you realize very quickly, this is hard work. It's a lot of stuff that goes into it when you're trying to, especially you're trying to grassroots some stuff. There's a lot of work that goes into it from management and from agents and people like this um, that you probably were innocuous to when you were like doing it at the level with Prince. You had so many people working on stuff like that. You know, and so it's been a real learning experience and, and just kind of figuring out how things work. And, uh, again, the process is people have to be turned on you. Everywhere you have to go, you have to work it, man. It's like starting all over because people have to see what this is. And once they see it, they get it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So what we're trying to do now is go out and just kill these shows that we're doing, man, so that the word of mouth becomes like, oh, yeah, dude, I just saw the NPG. They still smoking. They still got it. They still having their business. And then as that word spreads, I think that the, the, our population grows in terms of people who want to come out and, 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 and uh, experience the music and really celebrate the legacy of Prince in terms of what he did musically, man. And that's the same with all the other groups, man. There's just a lot of music that Prince has been a part of. He's worked with different bands and so I think as people see they they will realize okay this is legit this is this is yeah this is good and then and then the word of mouth goes out and then that then our population starts to really increase and that's what we try to do just make sure that we can get the funk to the people man and then we get it at a level that they love yeah and I'm excited that you guys are actually getting some ground getting some groundwork going here in the states I know that in the beginning that was real real difficult and we were getting a lot of shows, but they were all overseas and in you know various areas, but not the United States. So it's good to hear that right. on uh, June 28th, which is, geez, it's only 20 days away from now. June 28th, you guys are going to be in Milwaukee at the Milwaukee Summerfest. So anybody that happens to be in that area, they're going to be there June 28th. Yeah, definitely come. Milwaukee Summerfest. And you can get this to the one-day pass because I don't know who else is playing, but you know, you guys are gonna go see NPG, right? That's where that's you gotta go see them. Yeah. And then I'm going out. I mean, you can go for the whole festival if you want, but you really only need to buy a one-day one-day pass. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but then also in uh, Bayfield, Wisconsin. So you guys are you know, kind of hitting hitting Wisconsin pretty hard. Bayfield, Wisconsin, July seventh. So man, that's great. So are you are you going to get any time off to kind of? Are you just staying put in Wisconsin? Are you going to fly home and then come back, or are you just going to set up camp there and just do your thing? I think we're gonna we're gonna head home in between us because we're gonna post up in Wisconsin for that whole time. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There's not no, a lot to I mean, do there. No. One of the things is what we're gonna do is you know you were asking like what's next for NPG. Well, one of the things is I think it's important that uh, in order for NPG to really see what's the next level is what we create. Uh, you know, we got McKenzie, we got a Kip, we got all of the, the, the folks that we have. What 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 is the NPG now? Yeah, okay, so it becomes like right. okay, what what do you guys do? Uh, on your own uh, to to uh, to continue the NPG legacy. Well, we had to get in the lab. We had to create. A lot of us have been producers and, and uh, different ones have been producers doing things. And I think now it just comes down to us getting in the lab and creating something new, and and uh, you know taking the lessons that we learned from Prince and then creating something altogether new. And I think that's really what will be the thing that defines this band moving forward instead of you know. Uh, 
you're always doing like the, you know celebrations and tributes and things like this. It's just like you continue the legacy in the, in the sound, and I think that's the next step for us in terms of what we're gonna be doing next. We're going in the lab, folks, and we're about to stir up a little funk. <laughs> well, that's fantastic because yeah, I I know that a lot of people while. Well, we have nothing but mad respect for everything that you guys are doing. And I'm so excited again that you are actually getting your footing here in the United States and getting some shows here in the States. I know that we definitely want you here in Atlanta and all the major states. You know, I, I know I've we've got people that are already asking, what, what are they coming to New York? Are they coming to L.A.? Are they coming to uh, we get, uh, somebody asked me earlier, are they coming back? To, you know, they're coming to Australia. They come in here. They come in there. And so I, I'm glad to see that there's shows that are you know slowly starting to appear that are stateside. Because I know everybody's excited about it. But on the second note of that, where I'm going with this, is that I know a lot of people are excited about the potential of new music coming from you guys. And I know people have asked, are they in the studio? Are they working on new stuff? And I was like, I... I know a little bit of something, but I can't say anything about anything, and I don't really know that. I don't want to start spreading rumors now. But if anybody wants to, <laughs> if anybody wants to to kind of talk a little bit about that, is there anything that's coming down the pike for you guys? New music. Well, more just said, you know, we uh, new music is what we're gonna try to, you know, do. We got to get in the lab and start working on that stuff. And you know, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of ideas floating around right now amongst everybody. So, oh, we. Let, let me tell you something. It's, it's, it's some heat about to be dropped in the can. This, you know, my dude Mackenzie got a nice pen on him. He's a great writer, <laughs> and uh, just has a very unique sound. I mean, when you hear what his flavor is, and you hear what everybody else uh, has to bring to bear on the situation man i think you know it's going to be really out of sight you know we got a few surprises that that's coming up i've been talking to some people and and uh it's going to be really cool man so i'm i'm personally excited about it personally and i think yeah. uh, a lot of other people will be too man I, I think it's going to be very cool and i'm excited to see what we come up with so we're going to get in the room and do like we did with prince you know a lot of the songs we did just came out of jam sessions at the sound check and like stuff like yeah. that in rehearsal a lot of the songs came out of something like that you know so that's what we're going to employ when we go in and just set up shop and just groove and with all of the people that we still got everybody still know how to do that man and now we got production chops and now we got you know advanced stuff on that front so i think it's going to be killing man it's going to be i'm excited personally oh yeah i think we all are Yeah, yeah stay tuned for sure yeah, well, we're we're definitely going to stay tuned. Matter of fact, let's we're going to take a little bit of a break. We're going to play a little bit of uh, "Call the Law." Is that in your set list? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, good. That's that's exactly what I want to hear. Then. All right. So we're going to play a little bit of "Call the Law." Let these guys take a little bit of a water break, and we'll be right back right here on Funkatopia Live. Here's some "Call the Law" for y'all. Oh. You guys, all right? Oh, yeah, man, uh, definitely. And there's nothing but love going on from Mackenzie. Every time I bring up Mackenzie's name, man, oh, yeah. people, people, uh, the ladies are in love with you, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, let me tell you something. When he goes into his little Mick Jagger thing, man, they be going bananas on him, man. I know. Just look, to hold his hold his head and do the shimmy shimmy, they be tripping, man. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, that one, that one shot that I was talking about where they take they take a, a photo and he was he was jumping up in the air and it looked like he was like making like letter X oh, and his yeah. like legs are out to the side and I was like, God. Oh yeah, bless. dude. I remember those yeah, days. Remember remember those in, days, yeah. Damon, when we could do that? Remember those days? <laughs> oh man, Damon still get it in, man. I did see some movement. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I did see it. I, I'm, one of the things I wanted to make sure of, I wanted to make sure that we did talk about the tour. But what we can do is we can, you know, kind of come come back and wrap it up. I don't want to hold you guys all night. You guys got lives. I think you do. I I don't I don't. <laughs> you guys do. <laughs> well, I do, but <laughs> wow. I'm sure my wife is wow. outside the door going, "Really? Really?" <laughs> yeah, really. Exactly. She waiting on you to walk in. <laughs> That's right. Here's your, pill- your pillow and your blanket. You know where you need to go. <laughs> Has that blue pill kicked in yet? Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but so we'll come back and we'll just we'll just uh, wrap up real quick and then um, oh my gosh, we only got ten seconds. All right, well we got to go back now, I guess. All right, we'll just we'll just wrap up and just kind of just talk about some stuff and just uh, get people out to the shows. Hold on a second, here we go. Three seconds. Oh my god, that's quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't know. Should we even? We should probably play some of those some of the stuff that we're talking about off the air. <laughs> Oh, I'll get in trouble. I know, right? I'll get in trouble. I better not. <laughs> yeah, you better not. You should be waiting outside the studio door. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, anyways, that, welcome to Fuckatopia Live. Mr. Christopher here with uh, MPG in the house. We got Mackenzie on the line. Got Morris Hayes on the line. Got Damon D on the line. Man, it's been a blast. Uh, it's, I know we we had promised uh, Sonny and and Tony, and we're going to work through that. Um, but I'm gonna I wanted to make sure that I was I wanted to cut these guys loose so they can get on with their lives. And uh, but I wanted to make sure that all of them you know had something you know if they wanted to wrap it up and say something to you guys, yeah, you're more than welcome to. A matter of fact, I mean, it, what we can do for for at least like for at least ten minutes or so, if anybody would like to call in and ask. Can you ask any questions? You guys okay answer, to answer any questions? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we can do and that. I, and I definitely wanted to, no, I was just going to say, I definitely want the, the, the folks to know just, you hear the NPG, it's going to be in your town. Come on down and get down because it's going, it's going down, folks. We've been killing them. Yes, sir. Uh, I've been real happy with this band. Uh, we're happy with the, you know, the way that, uh, that we've been received. And I, I think it's going to be very cool that you folks come on out in the States. We want to do places all over the United States, man. This is home. And we definitely want to do home right. You know what I'm saying? So uh, a lot of times what the biggest issue is, is people don't know that you're playing. They don't know that you're out there. So right. hey, mm-hmm. just help spread the word that we that we coming. And just if you've if you got a friend, let them know. The NPG is rolling. And then once we get the word out, Hey, it's like a groundswell, and then you know, everybody just be hip to what's happening, and so that's what we want people to do, and then we'll we'll do the rest. Yeah, it's a big that's you a know, big so, struggle you know, is that marketing, man. That marketing is so difficult because you can have shows, 
out in uh, Wisconsin. Oh, I forgot to give out the phone number. If you want to call in, it's 831-777-FUNK. It's 831-777-FUNK. Uh, 3865 if you're alphabetically challenged. Uh, 831-777-FUNK. Uh, we actually already have a, we actually have a caller on the line, but I do want to make sure uh, that if you are go if you're in Wisconsin, make sure you head out to the Milwaukee Summerfest on June 28th. They're going to be there. Uh, the the Summerfest actually is like a week long event, uh, but they're going to be there June 28th, and then on top of that, July 7th as well in Bayfield, Wisconsin. So you definitely got to make sure you're there. So let's figure out. Uh, let's let's get this caller on the line and see who's there. Uh, welcome to Funked Up. Who's on the line? Hey, hey, it's 1958. <laughs> How you doing, 1958? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Hey, hey, I, I, real short, I just want to say uh, to Morris and Damien, uh, Damien, um, you know, back in the day, uh, Act 1, Act 2, or, uh, Act 2 tour, oh, yeah. uh, Damien, yes, uh, up in uh, Massachusetts, you guys were supposed to play at the... Uh, at the Palladium, and you guys got moved to the Worcester Center that night. Um, yeah, what a remember that. what a great show that was! What a great show, um, Morris. You, you know, you guys are the soundtrack of of my life, and uh, you guys got me through uh, got me through life. And what you do is is more than just music. What you do is you affect people's lives, and uh, I want to thank. Uh, I want to thank all of you for that. So that's well, all I, I appreciate it, man. That's nineteen fifty-eight. That's very cool, man. And yeah, yeah. it's so yeah. funny, man. All of that memory just flooded back in. Where's the center? Like all of that, man. That's crazy. I remember that. And that show. Oh was, yeah. It was awesome, man. It was so crazy. I, I remember Prince showing me like years later, like a video, of, like the Act Two, like the Act Tour. And it was like, it was so crazy. I was like, how did we even do that, man? I just can't even remember, like, learning that many parts like that. It was so <laughs> crazy. And uh, I, I you, so, oh, man, yeah. I, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's beautiful uh, that you guys have entered my life and entered so many other people's lives. Um, you know, and for us diehard Prince fans, it, you know, it, it's a way of life for us. And you guys are family. And um, I appreciate Funkatopia for, for doing what they're doing uh, because you guys are keeping us alive and keeping us strong. And uh, much love. Well, brother, 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 you made oh, my week, bro. That, that's that's yeah, really man. amazing, man. That's super cool, man. Yeah, Thank man. you so much. We, uh, yeah, we appreciate you as well, man. I mean, without you guys, there would be no us, you know? That's right. That's real. That's real tough. Man, thanks a lot, brother. We appreciate uh, that so hey. much, man. Thank hey, you. From the heart, you guys have a great night, and uh, thanks, Funkatopia, for, for everything you do. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank yep. you, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. So, so what is the uh, uh, so what is the story there with the, with the Worcester the the gig that happened there? What what was the the story there? I don't remember exactly. I was too busy, like, worrying about what I was going to play every night to just, like, know what the logistics <laughs> were. Yeah. But I, yeah. I do recall, I do recall that, like, uh, uh, like that whole thing kind of going down, man. It just was crazy because, uh, um, 
But I remember something else from that. Just, just like a, a from that tour, there was just a few different times where just things got swished around. Like for instance, we got snowed in Atlanta, like and two inches right. of snow, man. It's like it was they closed the city, and they they shut the city down. Oh, man. Yeah. We had to stay at the so hotel stupid. like we were like prisoners, man. It was yeah. crazy. Right. <laughs> it was on the real. Our, our bus couldn't get up the hill, and like it could not get up the hill, like a small little tiny hill. I, it was the bus would not. Let me let me just apologize on behalf of Atlanta because I don't know what goes on here because because I was born I was born in Jersey and of course you know I went from Jersey to New York Detroit and it was something happened I don't know what I've lived in Atlanta for a long long time and it's something about Atlanta and the way they handle ice and snow is just they they can't they just literally cannot handle it and jesse johnson came oh, man, in it was crazy yeah, jesse johnson came in town i guess it was 2011 he came in and it was one of these events and it was already not marketed well as it was and it had an ice storm there and he was playing at this little club called lonzell's and by the time that the show went on, because of the fact that we had ice, there were maybe, and I was one of them, there were maybe 12 to 18 people there to see the show. And so, you know, wow. he, he's going to get paid the same no matter what happens at the show. But, but to be blessed enough to be sitting there with Jesse Johnson and just and, and what was going to be, I guess, a full band scenario ended up being a three piece. <laughs> it was just so it, wow. it was it was quite it was quite. You know, I, I don't know why Atlanta can't handle snow or ice. It's just insane. Yeah, and, yeah. And he was yeah, telling he was telling stories about Minneapolis too. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, we got another we got another yeah, caller on the line. To... Go ahead. No, go ahead, David. I think I know who this is. Oh no, we were. I was just. Uh-oh, who is it? <laughs> no, I, I I I think it's a fan. So uh, so Morris, you get to, I think this is a Mita, so what you're probably gonna be able to to get to the bottom of this uh, turtleneck picture, Morris. Hold on a second. In trouble now. Welcome to Funked Up, who's on the line? Amita. Amita. It's Amita. <laughs> 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 so Amina, where did you get this where did you get this picture? Where did you get this picture of uh, uh go ahead. Sue Ann Carwell. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh of course it's Sue Ann. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's hilarious. So Yeah, that was so, so Amita, you wanted right. you wanted to hear a little bit about uh, the story behind "Call the Law." Well, and actually, but before before yeah. you, because you, I you were just te you were just texting me over here on uh, Facebook, and you wanted to hear the history about "Call the Law." But there's somebody calling in right now that might be able to help this story. Uh, I believe is uh, is this Tony on the line? Yeah, Tony just joined. Hey, Tony, what's up, brother? Hi, Tony. <laughs> what up? What's happening? It's Amita on the line. So so now we have we have McKen hey. we have Mackenzie on the line. We have Morris Hayes on the line. We have Damon D on the line. And now Tony M has joined and and he called right as Amita called in to ask about the background story or the history of the song Call the Law. 
<laughs> so Tony, there's your yeah. intro. <laughs> that was right on. That was right on time. <laughs> right on time. Bam. <laughs> Right, right into the frying pan. Right, just right away. Jump on. Don't get the warm up. Nope. <laughs> you've already, you've been on the, you've been on the show before. Your warm up's done. <laughs> so, all right. A little bit of background on Carter Law. So, growing up in North Minneapolis, and Damon or son, they can attest. So, you know, growing up, man. I mean, there wasn't many clubs that we would go through, so we would throw our own house parties. Right. Right. And, um, and it was really like a, it was it, not only were they you know a place for everybody to kind of get together and get their groove on, but it was money making adventure also. So we buy up our little yeah. alcohol, our little liquor, and we would be selling liquor, and also have the uh, the little dice room going on in the back. Um, yeah. and, uh, selling yeah. the place, place, place and the spaghetti. Food. I mean, oh yeah, man. <laughs> so right. it was a, not only you spend a little little bit of money to you know buy up a bunch of chicken and make some spaghetti. And alcohol, but you make a nice little profit at the end of the day. But inevitably, every time, every time it didn't, it didn't matter. It'd be a neighbor who say something, and the police would come and shut uh, it down. So uh, that was yes, kind of sir. the impetus behind, you know, writing the track for Call the Law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that song was like personal experience. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we used to get the we used to get the money, girl. <laughs> Thank you for answering that cause, because I've always been curious about the history of that song. That's actually one of my favorites. I mean, Go, Go Nigga is my favorite album anyway. Oh, thank you. Okay. Thank you, okay. That's good. That's good stuff. All That's right. good stuff. All right, Mita, you got the answer to your question. You good? You good? Okay, yes. Okay. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later. Uh, Tony, how that you doing, right buddy? Time. How you doing? I'm doing good. That was right on time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You were just, yes, <laughs> you were right there. That was perfect. Oh man. It's good man. to hear it's good to hear your voice, man. Well, I appreciate it, man. It's good to be here. I apologize. I'm a little late, but I had a you know, grad party for the daughter and we trying oh, to man. get it in and I looked up and it was like and Jill, my our manager said, "Hey, Tony, ain't you supposed to be on the call?" I was like, "Oops, yep." <laughs> it's, it's fine. <laughs> uh, we're just cutting up. We were telling yeah. the story that we were telling the story. We started we, well a little bit early. We were talking about the uh, the story of the uh, uh, buttless pants. <laughs> the story that you shared at the oh, celebration yeah, man. <laughs> and the unveiling of that. And uh, yeah, so Damon was talking about it. He was the first one in that stack, and he wasn't too happy about it. <laughs> oh, no, man. <laughs> we just tell everybody, go look at the footage, and you will see, Damon. You will see what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Not happy about it at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, trying not to, just trying not to look up somebody's ass. That's all the world feeling, too. <laughs> Well, well, now I hear that somebody had said, and there was a little bit of a rumor. I guess the lady who actually made those pants said that their his butt was not out. It was actually a skin colored fabric that was yeah, on the back of his pants. Right, exactly, exactly. That's exactly. True. Yeah, yeah, but if they can't tell yeah, that on TV, yeah, but if they can't tell oh, that on TV. Lie, you yeah. can't tell that backstage. <laughs> you can't tell that backstage either. He dropped that knob. Oh, brother's mouth fell open. 
Yeah, it's a little much. It's just, yeah. It's just a little much. Uh, but he's, you know, his whole career was a little much. It was. He always tried to fix I'm sorry. You can see him raising his hand in the back of the class. Where's the line at? Because I just, I just kind of want to put my toe over it. <laughs> just kind of figure out just how far I can go. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, yo, man, he was a – he was a he was a straight character, man. I mean, I'm telling you, he just when you thought you had him bottled up, he had something for you, man. And and in that particular instance, man, I mean, I think MTV, all of them did everything they could they could to censor that or try to figure out what was going to happen because it was a, you know it was a song get off and they, they that could go anywhere, right? And yeah, it was yeah. a it was it was a straight it was an orgy on stage, man. But you know we kept it nice and tame. We didn't show too much during the rehearsals. And uh, just when they thought they had it figured out, he broke out the outfit, man. <laughs> now, yes, I, and I don't think I ever we ever talked about or shared the story about not necessarily how you got started with Prince, because I think you know last time you were on, we were talking about the you know the, the part of being you know go, coming on as as a dancer. But there was what is the story about how you actually? crossed from being a dancer to actually rapping from what i understand you would always be off to the side of the stage at, at various shows and rapping and i guess prince had heard you at one point in time what, what is the story about how you crossed over into actually getting behind the mic to do your thing so well kind of the story behind that is that again you know since purple ring you know damon kirk and myself had been trying for years to to get on you know prince kept us on and you know, kept giving us, you know, throwing us a bone every now and then. And, you know, we thought we were going on tour. We didn't go on tour. So we ended up forming our own band with Kirk Sisters. And uh, we were doing, like, the college circuit. And we were writing our own originals. We were doing cover tunes and writing originals. And I started writing, you know, pinning lyrics at that point. Well, it was during one of our shows, and I believe it was Paris. Um, Prince was uh, going back and forth to the States. He was he was doing gigs and then flying back over to the States to finish editing Graffiti Bridge, then coming back. So it was in between one of those stints, Levi was uh, heading up on soundcheck. And we were just kind of, you know, messing around. And uh, I think we broke into Humpty Dance. I think that's right, D. And, you know, we were yeah. just messing around. And I busted out into the lyrics, and, you know. And, you know, all of a sudden you heard this voice. We didn't know, yeah, that's kind of funky. Uh, can we get on uh, with soundcheck now? And we're like, damn, we... He got us. He called us again. He snuck up in the building and got us. So, you know, we, we put a sound check, man. And, you know, at that point, you know, I think Kirk was on the drums. I had even picked up a guitar and was kind of doing that with the lyrics. And uh, at, during uh, dinner, before the doors opened for the show, uh, Prince asked me to come back to the dressing room. And he just, you know, he said, hey, do you think, you know, if we put that in a set, you know, like during one of my wardrobe changes, you think you could... Uh, you can do the song, and I, yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, it, you know, and you gotta understand is that north side bravado that you know it, on the inside I'm shaking in my boots because I don't want to mess up. On the outside, I ain't gonna show, I ain't gonna show nothing, no crack in the armor. And uh, he, 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 we sure enough, we worked it in on the sound check, and um, we did it the next night. I can't remember if we were in Germany. I can't remember what show it was, but uh, yeah, we broke out Humpty Dance, and I, you know, busted into that. Then he started to ask me more questions about. You know, you know, writing, and uh, I had some things that, you know, I had a cabinet full of lyrics, and I broke into, um, I just wrote into stuff uh, like Money Minder, and that was one of the segues we used on the Diamonds of Pearls album, and it was just basically touching on uh, how artists uh, like Little Richard, James Brown, I mean, not James Brown per se, but a lot of artists were writing songs from Motown and everything, they weren't getting their, their due rights, 
you know, they weren't getting their publishing, they weren't getting nothing. And uh, so that was kind of uh, the vision behind or the thought behind that, those lyrics. And uh, for Annuity, he just said, you got something for this, here's another track. You got something for that? Tony, can you write something for that? And, you know, I'd come in and we'd knock them out. That's, that was kind of the start of everything. Maybe you're on the inside, so you don't hear like a lot of things that, that kind of happen. But I know that there was a lot of pushback that you probably experienced <laughs> because people were, you know, kind of feeling like once he kind of added rap to the act and he just started to kind of change his, he just kind of changed his demeanor. And there was just a lot of, the music mm-hmm. changed, like really became a little bit more aggressive than what people were <laughs> used to. And did you see, I mean, you've seen that change starting from, you know, even before Purple Rain and all the way up to where you became more involved. What did you feel about mm-hmm. that transition, about what, what you were witnessing happen to Prince, about how he was carrying himself and how he felt like he needed to have a little bit more street cred? Do you, how did you feel about that transition, watching it unfold before your eyes? Well, if you know Prince, if you knew Prince and grew up with Prince, you understood that, that that was not a transition. That was Prince. That's how he grew up. That's how we knew Prince. Prince was North, uh, we did North Side OG. He didn't, I mean, you know, everything you saw as he was try, starting to develop his sound and, and his persona as time went on, you know, I mean, that's what the people from the outside knew him. But us who grew up with Prince, we, we knew that Prince that, that was like Morris Day. That was like, you know, those were all personas of who Prince was. All of that stuff was, was bits and pieces of Prince, if you knew him from, from the hood. So for us, it wasn't it wasn't a transition. It was just part of who he was, and it's just another part of uh, another side he was showing. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that you actually said that because I know a lot of people, you know, that don't know Prince, which is millions and millions of listeners and and people who have been following him since the beginning of his career, that they just didn't mm-hmm. feel like um, they kind of felt like. And most people put the blame on you as far as, you know, well, he's changed all his music and uh, Tony's come in and he's got this whole thing going on. And the reality of it is, just mm-hmm. like you said, this is who this is who he was. You just hadn't seen it. And yeah. so, yeah, I'm, I'm actually yeah, glad. Hadn't seen it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I know that, you know, I, I, you kind of hear a lot of the flack when you're out on this side of things. And, and uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I tell you, and I don't really understand where most of that even came from to begin with, because if you followed Prince's <laughs> career, you knew that every single album, he changed something about himself. Whether it was, he had a whole new Absolutely. look every single time he had something new going on that he was trying out. And every uh, time, every yeah. time, man. And you know, it's, it's funny, you know, it, you know, you, and even from being on the inside, you know, I heard it, you know, I experienced it. I felt it. It, it, it was what it was, man. But you know, we weren't, we were we were on our mission to you know to to contribute where we could, and it was an opportunity, especially for for this particular band, to uh you know that he was allowing to actually co co write co create with him, and that, that that was just unheard of, especially for you know from from the earlier days of Prince. You know he would come in, here's a song, learn it, don't change a note. You know this is what it is, and 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 for us to come in and have an opportunity to actually build on something, build on a sound and every a very successful time in his career um, uh, was a very proud moment for us as the MPG. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I wish I had actually seen, I'd never got an opportunity to see that portion or that section of uh, his career, the, you know, the, the, the whole, you know, the diamonds, pearl 
section of it. I, I, I mean, I started seeing him in concert back in as, as far back as 1999 and saw Purple Rain. But for some reason, with the Diamonds and Pearls uh, tour, I didn't get to see that live. But everybody that I know that has gone to see that has just always shared this. Those, those live concerts were off the chain. There was just so much going on. It was like literally watching like a, a Cirque de Prince. <laughs> it was just everything right. happening. Right. And uh, I mean, do you, with all those things and all the choreography and everything that's going on back in those days, it, it, was it just like a, just a whirlwind of, of activity and you kind of got to the other end and going, wow, did we make it through that alive in one piece? I mean, how many how many things were being like changed on a regular basis? How crazy those particular shows were with you know diamonds and pearls and everything. How how insane those shows were and how loud they were as far as the activity and everything is going on and the choreography and you need to be here at this point in time and you need to be here at this point in time. How insane was that particular tour as far as the amount of things that you had to remember and the 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 placements and everything that was happening during that particular tour. Well, man, that's what we rehearsed for. I mean, the production of it was yeah. just like putting on a play. Like bananas. It was just, you know, yeah. it was like putting on a play, man, for real. I mean, everything had a, you know, had a section. Everybody knew exactly where you had to be from, you know, I mean, there was parts where we would be picking up the girls and doing all kind of things. It was, it was basically like going to a play. That was the days of the show. It was the days of production rehearsal. That's when, you yep, know, sir. I used to, you know, production rehearsal was always a thing where everybody in the production knew what their parts were. The light people had yep. their cues. The sound people had their cues. The, the dancers had cues. The, the musician had cues. Everybody had to run through the cues. And Prince, what, what was dope about it is that uh, I've seen other artists like Michael Jackson. I went to Michael's rehearsal for this last thing, uh, like uh for this is it tour and it's crazy but there's a lot of people there's a lot of different cats saying all right you need to be right here you need to be there like choreographer yeah. prince did all of that himself you know he was the he was the ringman brother he was you know barnum and bailey he was the cat you know he was like directing everything mm -hmm. so he knew what to turn the laser and like make the uh, i need a hell i need a ballyhoo right here I need you to be over here. I need this to be here. He was that dude, man. He just had all of it on lock where he knew where he wanted stuff to be. He knew what he wanted the sound to do. He knew everything, everybody's parts. He knew all of that stuff, man. He would just sit there in the dark and you just hear that voice, you know, kind of like the voice of God coming out of the speakers. And you didn't know where he was, but he was just like, you know, just directing everything, you know? And that's what we used to do. We used to put on top of all that. Not, not only uh, as Mo was stating that he knew where every every point and every cue was, and you, you need to be on your spot, but he would challenge everybody every every now and then. All of a sudden, it would become his funk night, which means that yeah. who can come out, who can stay within the context of the show, but who's gonna come up with the funkiest wrist, the, the funkiest line, the step, whatever. So he 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 challenged you even during the shows, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah. whoever whoever came up with the funkiest role. Uh, got paid that night, yeah. so got, uh, got a little, a little, little bit of change. To kind of stretch out, search uh, change. Yeah, I, I would hear that he would fire staff on the spot if they couldn't cut it. Because I've heard him, I've heard of multiple occasions where he's gotten frustrated with a sound man or a light man. He said, "Just, just go home." 
<laughs> I'll just find somebody yeah, else. Yeah, it, 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 it's been a few trips to the house. Definitely been came out of some of that. Yeah, it's been a few for real trips to the house. For those That's of you, true. for those of you just joining us, welcome to Funkatopia Live. Mr. Christopher here, and we're on. We got Mackenzie on the phone with from MPG. We got Mackenzie on the phone. We got Morris Hayes on the phones. We got Damon D on the phone. We got Tony M on the phone. And if you'd like to call in and ask any questions, feel free to do throw do though. Do so 831-777-Funk. 831-777-Funk. Matter of fact, we got a caller on the line right here. Let's see what this is right here. Well, we'll try to try to click that again. <laughs> Welcome to Funked Up. Who's on the line? All right, it's 1958 again. And hey, I couldn't pass you. up the opportunity. Welcome back. <laughs> I couldn't pass Welcome up the back. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't pass up the opportunity to uh, talk to to Tony M because uh, Tony, man, he, he, uh, whether or not you know it, you really helped define an era of Prince music. And uh, you know, in the nineties, uh, you really brought it. You had a smooth kind of low voice tempo, uh, and it was just uh, it was unlike what was out there. And uh, you you really helped define an era of Prince music. So I want to thank you for that, and I want to thank you. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, because you know, uh, you know, Prince was was uh, a great musician in his own right, but you know, the people around him helped define different eras, and the NPG uh, was part of that. And uh, so there's much love I know out here in the community for. Uh, th those different eras and uh, for the love that you guys put out there and, and, and we received it and uh, you know, it, it's just, it's like, like, like I said to, to, to Morris and Damon, um, you guys don't just create music, you affect lives. And there's a lot of us out here that you affected lives for. And uh, you guys got us through. Yeah. Oh, Hell yeah, and uh, I, I appreciate that, man. I really do. M much love to you. Much love to uh, the NPG. And uh, I'm going to get off the phone so that other people can call in. But listen, uh, I just want to make sure I, I, I let it known that, uh, you know, here I am. Uh, I'm up here in Connecticut. And um, since I was a teenager, I'm almost 50 now. Uh, since I was a teenager, I've been following this man. And you guys are part of that. And I appreciate what you're doing for us. And I appreciate, yeah, appreciate you that. keep keeping that spirit alive. So much love. And I believe you guys have a man. No, yes, sir. So, no doubt, man. I appreciate that, man. I think uh, that, that's the impetus uh, uh, and, and the driving force, not only, you know, to continue to keep this man's legacy alive, man, but to also provide uh, uh, his music. You know, as only I believe that we can bring it, you know, as we were the ones who recorded it with them. We're the ones who, who performed it with them. And uh, to bring that to the fans and uh, just their outpouring of affection and things that we've been seeing as, as we've been out here doing these shows, man, it's, it's been crazy, man. And, we're, and we'll continue to do it as long as y'all have us. Man, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's sad to me that... It's sad to me that uh, more of the world doesn't know what this man did. Um, he's huge, but 
there is so much more to this man that they don't know. And uh, I appreciate Funkatopia trying to bring that legacy out to everybody. Uh, and I think the world needs it. Um, he's the modern day Mozart and, uh, you guys were part of that. And so, so much love. So you guys have a wonderful night. And, um, from, from my heart, uh, I love you guys. My man. Right, Thank you, brother. Man. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, brother. Thank Appreciate you. it. All right. Good night. Good night, brother. So he actually brings out a, a very, very good point. Again, if you guys have any questions, feel free to call in 831-777-FUNK. Again, 831-777-3865. He actually brought up a good point that, you know, there was a lot of defining moments that happened in Prince's career where you have, like, for instance, the impact that Ingrid Chavez had on him during the whole Love Sexy uh, era. And then on the same note, on the, on the flip side of that, you also had yourself. I mean, Tony, you really did. I mean, just NPG in general, just the, the whole group of you guys. But you really did affect his sound drastically to the point where it was a very, very defining fulcrum there. And, I mean, was that something that you was readily noticeable by you at the time or we just just kind of just along for the ride and just doing whatever he needed no, no man i think I, I i don't know that you know as we set out uh again it was like you know how we like to say uh pimp rag tootsie pop and the cane right this is just <laughs> how we this kind of how we grew up and we were trying to you know we, we were going back to a time where, where we came up and the sound was this way, man. And we're just trying to put a spin on it. Put, you know, Prince is trying to put his spin on it and allowing us to, to dabble in and, 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 and just trying to stir it up, man. So, I, you know, I think as we, we began uh, to pull it together, uh, I, I think we saw a shift uh, once Get Off dropped. And then, um, you know, Diamonds and Pearls came out. You, you started to see this momentum build. And, uh, again, uh, for the good and bad, you know, it was, it was, it was a hell of a time, man. Yeah, man. I remember the first time I heard arrogance and that spitfire delivery that you did. I was like, it was like a jaw drop, man. It was just like, I can't even do it. I don't remember what the was. I was like, oh shit. This is crazy. Don't worry, don't worry, about it. I was like I was like flipping flipping through this like, is there lyrics? I gotta see the lyrics of this. This is like pre internet. Well not pre internet, but you know, you know, I didn't have internet access at that time. We got another call here. Let me let me let me shut up for a second. Hold on a second. Let's, let's Welcome to Funked Up. Who's on the line? Marsha. Hey, Marsha. How are you? Hello, Marsha. I am doing well. Thank you so much for asking. Uh, my question is, how were you able to perform for the first time after Prince passed? I was at the cancer center when I found out. Um. Uh, well, I, I'm sure all of us have a you know thing. I mean, it, it 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 it. Of course, it was very heavy. I mean, um, you know, a lot of times with these type of scenarios, you don't really you don't really get the impact of it until way after the fact. It just like it does kind of hit you like like down the line, and so. For me, I just kind of, I was so tired, like, trying to get all of it together. I was completely, like, like exhausted. So, for me, it all kind of set in when we ran the Purple Rain piece, mm -hmm. right before, you know, before we did Doors. Uh, 
that's when it hit me and I, I like cried to the point I couldn't even see uh, while we was doing that piece and then by the time we had showtime I was cool but sound check I was a mess so I think with everybody it's probably was a different tone I mean yeah um, for, for me uh, I think as most said it, it hits everybody at different times um, yeah. for me it was um, it was a memorial service at, uh, at Paisley you know for me I just it, you know, it, it it wasn't real, right? It wasn't real yet. And then uh, at, at the memorial service, and they played. Sometimes it snows in April, and uh, I just lost it in front of my kids and my wife. You know, um, when we got to our first rehearsal for the celebration, you know, I didn't know when Mo gave me the call, and he said, "Hey, bro, we're putting this thing together. We need to do this." I didn't know how I was going to feel. About, I, you know, I didn't know how to feel about it, and I didn't know how it was going to go over. Our first rehearsal, I remember walking in and everybody was together. I mean, we were with all sorts of different iterations of uh, uh, Prince's uh, uh, MPG band and different eras uh, of groups that he had. And, man, everybody jumped in and we fell in and everybody, I mean, we kind of fell back all into our stories like it was like we had never left. Uh, and then, you know, you start performing the songs and then you find yourself looking for a cue. You look into that spot where he would be. And, yeah. you know, he's not there, so you got to try to step up and fill wherever you can. And, you know, for me, I mean, that's uh, that was the struggle at first, man. But by the time we got to the actual show itself, I felt good about what we were doing. I felt good about how Morris had pulled it together. And, um, and everything led to where we're at right now. Yeah, that's what a great leader does. Yeah, I still cry. Each time I go to... Um, an appointment, I just think about that day. My phone, my mother and my sister and a few others kept calling, and I still can't believe it. You all said that he was a jokester, and I thought someone was playing a really bad joke. And so mm -hmm. it's an emotional for more than two reasons. Uh, so, yeah, I just, and I have one more question. Um, how do we get MPG to come to California? Do we, as fans, need to do something, or is that just something you all have to do as a as a collective entity? Well, we're we're planning. I mean, like I said, we got our, our agents now, and oh. we are we definitely planning some shows in the California area, as well as a lot of the, the cities around. Um, it's just a process. It's just a building yeah. process, and so, uh, but it is on the way. We are about to have those dates rolling in different cities, and like I said, I think it'll start to cascade once we start getting out. Word of mouth gets out. I think then, because it's a promoter's game. It's like you know, the promoters want to make sure that you know. A lot of times they're nervous. They don't know what can sell or what can do. You want them to see that it's it's viable and that people are like digging it, and then they can confidently just say, okay, they killed them in Chicago, they killed them in Dallas or whatever, and then then they feel confident that they can they can uh, sell the shows and do all of that sort of thing. So I think it's just like a process. But we're definitely coming all over the place. Uh, like uh, uh, there's many places in the States that we can come that will have us. We're going to try to come. So, so I, we just have to be patient. I can do that. No, you can't. No, you can't. You all are worth the wait. Morris Hayes at the lead and, and the, the band director, I, I can wait. I can wait. 
Well, we are, we all are definitely worth the wait, so thank you. <laughs> all right. Thank you for calling in, Marcia. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you. You all have a wonderful day. All right. You too. Uh, you too, much. Thank you. And so, you know, and yeah, I think a lot of people ask that. A lot of people say, well, because I was, as I mentioned before, a lot of people were like, well, how do we get, you know, how do we get them to come to Australia? How do we get them to come to California? And I, I know that, you know, I, I was speaking offline to, to Jill and, you know, she was just saying that, you know, it, just like, just like you were just sharing, it's like just these, these venues don't know what will work and what won't work. And I just, I find it surprising when you see, you know, when you're sharing pictures of, of packed houses, packed venues, and they are, they're still questioning, you know, is this photoshopped or I don't know what their thought process is. So I just, you know, I know I'm looking forward to it. I would love for you guys to come to Atlanta and, you know, we have people all over the world that are asking for you. So I'm, I'm very happy at the prospect that, this tour is going to continue moving forward and is going to hit more and more places uh, in the States. And I'm, I'm excited about it, man. I'm ready. Yeah, man, we are too, man. It's like, we're really looking forward to doing stuff here stateside. And it's, and believe me, man, we're chomping at the bit as well as a lot of the fans. And, uh, and we're just glad to see it jumping off here. We're starting in Wisconsin. And uh, and then going to be spreading other places, Kansas City. You know, we're going to hit like a lot of different places, man. But like I said, once we start getting the word out and start getting it moving around, I think that's when people start to get it. So we just want to just say to the fans, be patient with us a little bit, and uh, and, and and we need you guys for for our, for our, you know for our ground support and just like letting people know that like like I said that we're coming and that we're doing stuff. And if you saw the show and you think it was cool, hey, tell somebody and say, hey man i just checked them out they got it in you know that's the best thing you can do is word of mouth is like a powerful thing if you know people say they don't like something this is the age of social media man you can make or break something by just saying hey this is dope or it wasn't dope or whatever you know but we, we, we'll, we feel confident about what we're doing and uh i feel good about whatever we're gonna come and do we're gonna come and do it to the best we can do it and we're gonna kill it that's what we look at that's it yeah, well, I know there's a lot of people that are ready, and I don't know. You know, we got all these major players like New York and Atlanta and Los Angeles and all these places. How how Wisconsin got two shows? <laughs> they got two, so it's like, wait now, hold on now. This is Wisconsin, so. Yes, but uh, yeah, and we'll talk about those two dates again, and we're gonna give like we'll leave the phone lines open for another ten minutes if you got if there's somebody something that. Uh, Till, till 10.30 Eastern Standard Time, which is about another 10 minutes from now. So if you got a question for NPG, uh, feel free to call in. Some people are saying that you got a busy signal. I don't know why you would have got a busy signal. Make sure you're dialing right. 831-777-FUNK, 831-777-3865. But, yeah, the NPG tour is moving to Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Summerfest on June 28th. You got to make sure that you get out there, and uh, then if you're if you happen to be in Wisconsin and you're not going to make that, you've got a second shot at it. You'll also be able to go see them on July 7th in Bayfield, Wisconsin, at the Big Top. What is that? Chautauqua. Uh, Chautauqua, C H A. What's your language on this radio now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. If you're in Wisconsin, you know what that word is. <laughs> Just whatever. It's a ch- Chautauqua. Uh, we'll just go with that. Uh, but yeah, so, man. We'll get- 
<laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> All right. Would one of you want to take a shot at that word? <laughs> it's Big Top Chautauqua. <laughs> I'm going with that. I ain't, t- I ain't, t- I ain't uh, touching that. Man. There we go. Yeah, I ain't touching that. No. We'll just go with that word. All right, man. But they know where they're at. They know where they're at. <laughs> Wisconsin, you got two shows, <laughs> you lucky bastards. All right. So... <laughs> <laughs> you got him. <laughs> oh man, I, I may have to get on a plane. I may have to get on a plane and get and and head out to Wisconsin. I mean, flights have got to be cheap out to Wisconsin. I mean, I like cheese. I'll go there. Come on, man. <laughs> there you go. I'll, 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 I like cheese. <laughs> I'll, I'll go there. Sure, man. Not a problem. Man, no, no, we got you. <laughs> well, I can't thank you guys enough uh for uh for for joining on man because um man it's just been it's just been great and that you guys were able to come in and talk about a little bit about the tour and share some stories and whatever and uh we'll take a one song break we'll take a one song break and then uh we'll come back and then we'll let you guys give some closing statements and uh and say whatever you want to to the audience and why don't we play uh what about deuce and a quarter that's a good one is that in the there set? We go. Is that in the set list? That's in the set list. Yeah. All right. Well, here it is, Deuce and a Quarter on Funked Up. Here we go. It's Mr. Christopher with the Funkatopia Radio Show, and we're back on, man, with NPG. It's been great. We've had a fun, fun time. We got to let these got these let these gentlemen get on with their lives. I think I said that before when we were when we started. When we came back from the last song, that didn't work very well. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you know, it's good. You know, where you get sometimes you, you get in the motion and it just works and it's fine. It's it's great. So I wanted to give each one of you an opportunity to be able to, you know, just kind of just kind of give a shout out to the audience and you know, the audiences that have come out to the show, the audiences that are going to be coming out to the show. Anything you wanna, you know, say and communicate. And I guess uh, Morris, we'll start with you, brother. Hey man, I just wanna say that, first of all, thank you for all the fans that have been turning out and turning up for the MPG. Man, we got mad love for y'all. Uh, y'all the best fans in the world. I told Prince, we got, that's a dude, you got the best fans in the world. And that translates to us. And we, we love you guys. We appreciate it. Just want to tell you, when you hear about the MPG going to be in your town, tell a friend, get your peoples, come on out, let's have a good time, y'all. Thank you. Much love. All right, That's great. Mac, you got something? Yeah, I just want to, on the same note, to say thank you and a huge shout-out to all the Purple family, all the True Funk soldiers, everybody to keep showing up and giving us that great, lovely energy. Keep bringing out your beautiful faces and keep getting ready to funk up the places. We love you. That's what's up. Yep, yep. Damon, you want to go next? Uh, Yeah, so, you know, to everybody that haven't seen the shows, uh, you know, wherever you're at, New York, uh, Atlanta, Texas, California, when you do get a chance to check us out, come on out. We're going to give you all the same love y'all been throwing to us for years. So uh, with that, I say thank you to everybody that has come out to see the shows. Uh, we definitely appreciate you, and uh, we are honored that you are still uh, kicking it with us, uh, you know, even though we don't have our ringleader in front of us, but uh, we know that you guys are uh, in our hearts, and, and we're in your hearts, so we, you know, just want to give you all the love back, so. Yeah, man. And, and, and I can say on behalf of the crowd, behalf of the crowd and the audience, man, 
we are so glad that you're out here doing it and that you're out here continuing his legacy. And it's just, you know, we, we got nothing but mad love for you. But, uh, Tony, I'm going to let you finish it out. All right. Hey, uh, I just want to say thank you to all the fans. As, as Morris, Mack, and Damon have, have said, without y'all and without the love and the support that everybody's been showing us over the past year and a half, two years, uh, there, there's no way that I would be doing this again. Uh, every, every every single one of us could be doing other things. But right now, the love that you're showing us, the, the, the fulfilling nature of us actually coming together and doing what we do, and um, it, it's, it's been overwhelming right now. Um, there's no way in the world I thought I'd still be at this, and it's because of you guys out there. Uh, thank you for your patience and your love. Uh, U.S., we coming, baby. Don't worry about it. Y'all just stay patient. We'll stay. When you hear us, when you hear us coming around, Get your butts in the seats. It's going to be a funky night. There's no doubt about it. And love to every single one of y'all. MPG for life. Yes, sir. Word up. Yeah, man. Yes, sir. I, I, and once again, thank you so so much for for all of your uh, all your work and all your dedication. Uh, you know, you you've put in the hours, you've put in the years, you've put in the the, the blood, sweat, and tears, and. Uh, we're so glad to see so much, so much positivity happening, and that the United States and shows are getting a lot of traction. If you have to happen to see that the MPG tour is coming to your town, please make sure that you get out there and you support them. Buy the tickets. Do whatever you possibly can to make sure that their numbers look good. Because if their numbers don't look good, then they can't expand into other cities. And I'm I'm looking at you, Wisconsin. I'm looking at you because you got right. Mil, you got Milwaukee Summerfest coming up on June 28th, and uh, and then after that on July 7th, you're going to be in Bayfield, Wisconsin, at the Big Top Chautauqua. I'm sticking with that word. <laughs> Go with it, man. Go with it. So, Wisconsin, I expect you to represent. I know there are enough Prince fans out there to really kind of make a difference and show people that and show these venues in all these big cities that even in Wisconsin, you guys can make a huge bump in these numbers. And uh, the rest of the United States is dependent on you, Wisconsin. <laughs> that's where that's where we're at. We want we want MPG all over the United States, and uh, I know that most of this is just a numbers game and getting getting stuff out. And again, I can't share or show my appreciation enough for all the work that you guys have given us and all the music, the fantastic music that you and Prince have brought to us over the years. And thank you once again from the bottom of my heart for coming on the show and uh, supporting supporting yeah. the show and and. Much love, much love. No problem. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, NPG in the house. <laughs> and uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'll close you guys out. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. NPG, we're gonna we'll, we'll cut them loose again. <laughs> but but uh, don't go anywhere. We're gonna take your request for the rest of the night, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna close out this at least the interview part of it with The Good Life right here on Funked Up. NPG, checking out, y'all. Later. Cool, guys. Later. Thank you so much. All right.